Using gerrymandering, voter suppression, and other nefarious tactics, the Republican Party has manipulated our electoral system to maintain as much control as possible despite being a party in the minority. Liberal Dan Radio seeks to change that, and I need your help in doing so. Liberal Dan Radio has partnered with Levelfield to help us use tools that are typically only available to big money donors. When you go to StopTheCoup.LiberalDan.com and make your contribution, it will encourage other voters to reach out to their legislators to pass legislation to stop gerrymandering and voter suppression and target elected officials who refuse to protect the vote. Every eligible voter should be able to cast a ballot, and that ballot should have the same power as everyone else. I can't do this alone. I need your help. So please go to StopTheCoup.LiberalDan.com and make your contribution today. That's StopTheCoup.LiberalDan.com. StopTheCoup.LiberalDan.com. Political advertising paid for by Levelfield. Contributions are not tax deductible as charitable contributions. Join the conversation. It's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. And if you're listening live, you can join us in the blogtalkradio.com chat room. Just go to blogtalkradio.com slash Dan. Sign in with your free account. And if you go to the episode page, shortly I'm popping out the uh, chat window, so I'll be able to see your chats as they happen. There you go. And if you're listening after, or actually, you can also, if you're watching live on YouTube, you can leave your comments in the chat room over there as well. If you're listening after the live broadcast, you can leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. over on the show thread at liberaldan.com, facebook.com slash liberaldan, at liberaldanradio on Twitter, and of course, on the comment thread on the YouTube video as well. Um yeah, was a little lackadaisical this week. Had a bunch of work projects to do. Uh, I was a little too focused on that. I couldn't get my uh, couldn't get my uh, bits out and out the door. Uh, so unfortunately, we're not going to be doing too many things in the form of bits this week. Uh, briefly, go over some news of the day, news of the week um, as well, so we can we can do that. Um, you know, at the bottom half of the hour. We are going to be inviting on Evie Winters back onto the show so we can discuss some issues. Um, we had Leah Thomas, who won one of her races at uh, the NCAA championships. And, of course, because Leah Thomas is a trans woman, uh, the typical usual suspects are acting in their typical usual ways. Um, but it's been a while since we had Evie on the show, so regardless of whether or not you know Leah happened to win or had that, we would have liked to have her come back on the show soon. Anyway, it just has, happens to be a uh, a uh, what should we call it a, a a good opportunity uh, to bring on her experience and expertise in what is going on in the world of sports, sports ball or non-sports ball, since it's swimming, sports non-ball or whatever. 
whatever you want to call swimming. <laughs> I used to be on my swim team. I, I'm a larger fellow now. I was still a kind I was te- – if you go back to listen to my podcast that I did, a three-hour podcast on living life as a fat man, I kind of discussed, you know, how I would love to be as fat as I thought I was in high school. I used to think in high school that I was just super-duper fat. And I was, you know, six foot, 195, you know, not very muscular, not not a lot of muscles, had some flab on my belly. Um, but I would love to be that right now instead of what I am. And but back then I was on this, and that was my that was when I graduated. So I wasn't even that that heavy probably when I was in on in sophomore junior year when I was doing the swim team. I mean, swimming is tough. You know, one of the races I think I don't think she even won the 500. I think she won the more longer distance race. And that's a tough race. I mean, I don't know if I got below seven. I don't know if I, I might have gotten below seven and a half. If I think maybe, maybe 720, maybe under 720. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've done it, so I don't quite remember my times. And that was never going to be the best, never going to be the greatest. It just wasn't in the cards for me. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's you know, I'm sorry. I, I need to have... Uh, Donald say what it is. It is what it is. Thank you. Thank you, Donald. Um, so where was I going with all of this? Uh, yeah. So, so I, I'm familiar with, with the sport and you know, there, there was some, you know, there were women, girls, I guess, young ladies who swam with the men's swim team and they were competitive. I mean, were they the fastest? No. Um, I was a little annoyed at them because they submitted times that were faster than mine in the finals, and so I wound up swimming in the pool with uh, all of the all of the people who were just at the bottom end of the list for the 500. And uh, I think that gave me a little bit of momentum, and I, I made sure to beat both of them just because of the fact that I don't think I'd ever lost to them over the course of the season. But they've beaten other people. I saw them beat other some people on our team. You know, man, on our team, it, it's it's. Just because they were women, it didn't, you know, make them, you know, say, oh, we can't beat, you know, we can't compete with these people. Why is it? Because they're guys. And when somebody is a trans woman, uh, and, and, and of course, the NCAA, at least, when, when you're competing as, as a trans woman in the NCAA, you have to go through hormone therapy. And the hormone therapy does weaken you. Your time is going to get slower. So if women can compete in the same room, same pool as men, Women should be able to compete in the same pool as a trans woman. It just doesn't make any sense. But we're going to talk with Evie about about that issue, about others' issues as well. Um, maybe some fun topics to boot. Um, so make sure to like and subscribe uh, here to this video if you haven't done so already. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, uh, etc. Demodox says, I'm just making my gin and I'll pop you. Are you distilling your gin or are you just pre- preparing a gin drink? Uh, I guess that's a different, there's a big difference if you're, if you're pouring yourself a drink of gin or if you're actually in the process of distilling gin while, whilst watching, listening to Liberal Dan Radio, talk from the left, that's right. Uh, so um the, the blog talk radio chat was, was blocking Demonox, so I don't know if you even heard me on that or not. Um, I don't know what I thought. Making a gin and tonic. There you go. 
making a gin tonic. I'm not really a big gin drink. I'm more of a rum guy. So I like Morgan. Captain Morgan Spiced Rum. I haven't had any of that in a while. Need to have some more. So Captain and Coke. Maybe I'm going on a cruise uh, for my anniversary. So maybe uh, we'll have to miss a week. You won't miss any Liberal Day and Radio that week because we're going from like Thursday to Monday. So I'll be here. I won't won't miss a week of Liberal Day. Now, of course, if there was a cheap cruise that I was taking in the middle of the week, yeah, I'd skip the podcast week again. That's fine, too. But, you know. What, what, what was the, what, what is the, my mouth is not being very clear. It is what today. it is. Thank you, Donald. Um, man, we got, says I have two current viewers out of Captain. Actually, what I really like, um, rum wise, is, 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 I think it's the Bacardi Oak Heart, the spiced rum. I think that, that's my favorite over Captain Morgan. Um, just, you know, I don't see it as much as a new captain, so I'll take a captain. You know, that's fine. But I, I, I like the uh, the oak heart a little better. If if you if I don't if you don't mind me saying so, I guess I don't know. Just having a problem coming up with a good word, right? good words right there. I have the best words. No one has better words than than liberal Dan. <laughs> anyway. So this is going to be, I think, the, the first half of hour is going to be kind of a loosey goosey show until we get to uh, until we get to Evie until Evie comes on the air. Uh, I guess I don't know Evie if you're listening and if you want to pop in early, you're more than welcome to do so. But if you're not, it's fine. We'll, you can wait till eight thirty. That's also fine as well. Um, I do have a bunch of stuff if you want to prepare yourself on the topics uh, that that we'll be discussing on Facebook.com/slash/LiberalDan. There are a bunch of links that I shared, uh, giving some uh, additional uh, facts about what's going on and why trans women competing with other women is not unfair. Um, A look at Leah Thomas specifically and her times uh, that that she had prior to transits, prior to starting taking hormone therapy, after taking hormone therapy, what happened to her times in specific races? I mean, I'm looking at the 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 record. I guess her 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 races. Her her best pre-transition was four minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, her best currently is four minutes and 34 seconds on the 500. <clears throat> Again, would just completely smoke me. I mean, when I was in high school, let alone now. Now I don't know if I could, if I could even make like six lengths of the pool, let alone 20. Although, if you're doing NCAA-style 500s, it's probably 10 lengths of the pool uh, because I think that those are 50-yard 50, 50, uh, 50, 50 yards or 50 meters or whatever each way is as opposed to 25 in my little tiny uh, pool that we swam in in high school. Uh, also did a 200 as well. I never, I never broke two. Like, let's see, prior transition – one one minute thirty nine point three one seconds. Mel uh, after transition one minute forty one point nine three seconds. Um, I never broke two. I think I got two oh four two oh three, and I think I think my best two hundred split uh, was I was angry because I felt sick and I didn't feel like I could compete, and I was frustrated and I was and my coach was being an ass to me saying you're going to get in this pool and you're going to swim. 
and I was very annoyed because I didn't feel like I had the strength to swim, and I was so pissed off, and I got in the pool, and he timed my 200, and my 200 in that 500 race was faster than the 200 I swam earlier in the day rested. So, so, but yeah, and even then, it still didn't beat two minutes. I never got below two minutes, so... Not that this is about me, but it's just kind of, you know, talking about swimming does make me think back to those days uh, when I was more svelte, I suppose. And, of course, there's the picture of uh, – have you seen a picture of her? I, just, I don't know. That's just kind of how the athletes look. Somebody posted that. Somebody goes, very male build. Maybe this individual should compete with the males. Um, and then the person's like, that's a cis woman because it's a picture of Katie Ledecky and not Leah Thomas. So there's just – something about a, a swimmer's body that, that's going to probably make their, you know, bodies appear very similar because, you know, in order to be a successful swimmer, you're probably going to have a specific body type. Again, that wasn't mine. That wasn't my body type. That's why I wasn't anywhere near close to making any records for my high school or in the city. I uh, forget what the guy's name who had all of the most, if not all of the poly records in the swim, in the swim, in the swimming pool. But people people would ask me, like, man, you should shave your body hair. You'll cut, like, seconds off of your time or something like that, or, or like, a half a second off of your time. I'm like, look, let me tell you something. When you, when you shave your body hair, it's possible it couldn't go back thicker. So if I'm, like, a half a second away from beating that time up there, I will absolutely shave every inch of my body hair so I can put my name up there and so everyone can see it. But since I'm nowhere near that, nope. There ain't no way that I'm going to be shaving my body hair just for swimming. And not gonna do it. Not gonna happen. Anyway, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. If I can find it. There it is. Take the first commercial break. We'll come back. Take your calls as well. 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the liberal band radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family 
because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah. If you enjoy Liberal Day and Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Demonox, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2, where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat, and find me on Twitter by the handle xdemonox. Letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it is area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. If you are, uh, again, listening live, you can join us in the YouTube chat room, youtube.com slash Radio, or in the blogtalkradio.com chat room, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Uh, you can leave your comments, questions, etc. over there as well. And then, of course, at the bottom half of the hour, again, we are going to be inviting on Evie Winters uh, to be discussing all sorts of issues, uh, including why Evie does not like to use the term transphobia, uh, Leah Thomas, again, as, as we were talking about earlier. And, um, and, you know, considering we're both from the same neck of the woods, um, you know, she uh, she's... West Virginia, Maryland. Uh, I don't know where she's living now specifically. I know she's from West Virginia, but uh, we both have strong opinions about things like crab cakes, and, and that might even be discussed as well. Um, so if you would like to call in, you know, you're welcome to do so. Or if you're uh, willing to, uh, you know, you can just listen. You can ask questions in the chat if, you, if you're a little gun shy and don't feel like calling in. You can come to the YouTube uh uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Radio. Come to the live stream and leave your questions in the chat, and we will make sure that uh, they are asked uh, to Evie. If you're currently watching and you haven't done so, please make sure to like this uh, live stream, smash that like button, and subscribe uh, to Liberal Day and Radio here on YouTube. Um, liking and subscribing is a very important thing, and uh, Evie, I think, will agree. <laughs> and there's a joke in there that if, you're, if you don't know, you don't know, but if you know, you know. Um, uh, a little bit about people with OCD and label makers and new body parts, um, or enhanced, I should say, body parts. She has plenty of, if you go to evwinners.com, you actually find, uh, several, uh, you know, Facebook group, you might want to learn more about trans people. That was the title uh, of the show that I had with her last time, um, 
you know, there's there's a uh, there's another group that goes over uh, her gender affirming surgery uh, surgeries that she's had. Uh, so, you know, there's 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 lots of good information on evwinners.com. You could find out about her uh, her life journey and everything. Um, you know, somebody who I'm glad to know. I hope one day we can enjoy crab cakes and hot sauce together on one of my trips back to Maryland or uh, if her, if she ever comes out this way or whatever, because she's just a cool person to know and everybody should know. And I'm just, know her online. So anyway, what else to talk about? Oh, uh, Kintanji uh, Brown Jackson and those hearings have been ridiculous. Um, I didn't really have a chance, opportunity to cut up any of the audio from them, but you know, you had your, your standard, what you would expect your cast of clowns in the Senate Judiciary Committee asking their clownish questions uh, about uh, her record and, you know, things she wrote back in, uh, things she wrote back in, uh, you know, in her Harvard Law. And, of course, I think they were, she was classmates with Ted Cruz. And, of course, Ted Cruz is manipulating and distorting what she wrote, uh, going over rulings and you know, say, oh, well, well the, you, you, you did this. The, the just the uh, whatchamacallit, the guidelines say this and the prosecution asked for this, but you did this, which was much less when it comes to like, you know, um, child pornography cases and, and uh, Judge Brown was like, Judge Jackson, I'm sorry, Brown Jackson is like, well, there's also what Congress has also required us to do and you've conveniently left that out. Of course they conveniently left that out. Why wouldn't they conveniently leave out facts? as it pertains to uh, what happens in when a judge has to make up her mind as to how long of a sentence a, a criminal should get. Um, but, you know, the truth is not something that uh, Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham uh, are, are used to sharing, I suppose, is the best way to put it. And they're all, of course, they're all so obsessed about critical race theory, and none of them could really probably tell you what critical race theory actually is but still they're all angry about it because you know they might they're probably just mad that they 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 think that one day their children might have to learn what their grand or their grandchildren might have to learn what their grandparents did uh to black people when they were younger that's what they're afraid of they just don't want people to know the truth uh lindsey graham crying because his preferred choice didn't win yeah because there was the other judge that was from south carolina um, that I think some people posed as a as a supposed consensus vote, but I think when we were looking at this way back when when some of the initial names were floated, um, I think I think you know I, I said here like the, the 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 choice that makes the most sense made the most sense to me at the time was the choice that they went with. So I guess chalk one up to me, I suppose. I don't know. Um, let's see. Demonox. I don't like the term trans because it implies changing from one thing to another instead of just revealing what was already there, but there isn't really a better feeling word. I mean, we could ask, if you want to ask about that, if, 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 if you think there's a better word, I would argue, I would say um, that um, that it, the trans and cis labels, because cis basically is like, you are what they put on your birth certificate, and trans is you're not what they put on their birth certificate. And that's the, that's the, I think that's the differentiation there is not that 
you've changed because you don't have to change. You don't have to do any bit of of transitioning, you know, to to be or you shouldn't have to do any bit of transitioning to be accepted as your gender. Um, but if, if if you are not the gender that you are at birth, well, that was a, that was assumed of you at birth, uh, I should say, uh, then then you would you can be called trans. Now, there are people who are, that, that would include folks who are non-binary, and there are people who are non-binary who choose to not use that label. That's fine. I'm not going to begrudge uh, anybody uh, who is, uh, you know, who's going to want to use a different label or not embrace one label over another. That's their decision. That's their right, and that should be their right, and they should have, um, they should have the ability uh, to, to be respected for that and to not be uh be uh what you call it marginalized shamed or otherwise uh ridiculed for living their truth and and that's that's one of the most important things and and, and at the end of the day it takes zero effort <clears throat> well i say it takes zero effort to be kind i i think unfortunately there's some people because of how some people were raised it might actually take some effort to be kind their natural state might just be mean because they were raised to be mean. And that's quite unfortunate. Um, unfortunately, uh, but, but before we, before we hit our next commercial break or, and then get to Evie, uh, there's just there was another conversation and me and Yosh, the host of the most nimbus Yosh with the smooth sounds of the Percy podcast. Um, we're having a conversation on one of the local new Orleans groups about someone's like, I don't see color. She, she just kept on insisting, I don't see color. I don't see color. I'm like, then you're helping to perpetuate racism. And, and she was all aghast at that. And it was, it was rather amusing. And, of course, Yosh comments, and he was like, Yosh is like, you know, I was going to come here and say all this stuff, and, of course, Liberal Dan beat me to it. So, but in reality, all I'm doing, all, all I try to do in those types of, types of situations uh, situations, I should say, uh, is I'm not trying to really share anything unique or clever on my part. You know, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to use my privilege to amplify what other people have told me. And so I'm going to listen to the consensus of what other people tell me of their lived experiences. And I'm going, and if they're not around to share those lived experiences, I will correct the people who are not who, who are just ignoring their truths. And if they are there, I'll shut up and listen, and I'll like what they have to say. But there, there were plenty of people actually who were liking what I had to say about that, So, which tells me that at least that I'm listening right, and I'm getting it right, and I'm, I'm doing what I need to do to use my privilege to help amplify the voice of others. And that's what you should do as well. If you have privilege, rather whether it be racial privilege, um, you know whether or not you're uh, gender gendered privilege, um, you know male or female, cis or trans, um, whether or not you are uh, straight or LGBTQA, or whether or not you uh, have you know, you know are from here and you know born in this country, or if you've immigrated here and there's you know, immigrants to this country also lack privilege. Uh, many cases of viewed as others, um, use your privilege to listen to them and then amplify their voices because 
that's what they need. Anyway, let's go ahead and take the second commercial break now. If I can get it, I'm not going to play that. I almost played the stop. No, I almost played the uh, the Chopper City, Liberal Day in Chopper City, uh, which was uh, bringing a boy's favorite uh, favorite audio. Maybe we'll have to play that again next time when Sturgis rolls around. Um, we'll play a little off off topic right now, but anyway, let's go ahead and take the next commercial break. We will come back and be talking with Evie Winters, taking your calls as well. Nine one four eight zero three forty one thirty one. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will? <laughs> Catch you on the team. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawings. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan.com. Using gerrymandering, voter suppression, and other nefarious tactics, the Republican Party has manipulated our electoral system to maintain as much control as possible despite being a party in the minority. Liberal Dan Radio seeks to change that, and I need your help in doing so. Liberal Dan Radio has partnered with Levelfield to help us use tools that are typically only available to big money donors. When you go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution, it will encourage other voters to reach out to their legislators to pass legislation to stop gerrymandering and voter suppression and target elected officials who refuse to protect the vote. Every eligible voter should be able to cast a ballot, and that ballot should have the same power as everyone else. I can't do this alone. I need your help. So please go to StopTheCoup.LiberalDan.com and make your contribution today. That's StopTheCoup.LiberalDan.com. StopTheCoup.LiberalDan.com. Political advertising paid for by Levelfield. Contributions are not tax deductible as charitable contributions. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Again, shouts out again to Demonox, uh, my little brother, the host of the most Nimbus Yosh with the smooth sounds of the Percy podcast. Uh, to your boy Chris and to my friend Cesar out in California, 
um, all of whom have supported the show in various ways, and I appreciate it greatly. Uh, if you happen to, you know, be a guy who likes uh, fluffy guys, big teddy bear guys, uh, especially guys that have three beautiful daughters, um, hey, email me, liberaldayradio.gmail.com if you live out in California. Uh, my friend needs a boyfriend. <laughs> he's, he, he, uh, he definitely deserves some love. He's a good guy, and he's, he's, uh, he would be a great catch to anybody out in California who would uh, love to be with him. Love lines on Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. <laughs> anyway, so without further ado, let us now bring on, I'm assuming, uh, I don't have the phone number memorized, I'm assuming uh, this is Evie on the phone. Hey, how is it going? Hey there, Dan. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for coming back on the show. It's been too long. Um, so it has been a uh, while. It has been a while. I actually went back and had to listen to the listen to the old show just because you know it was a good show. It was one of my better episodes. So um, it's bringing quality content to the to the. I don't know if it's airwaves because it's over the internet to the to the inner tubes or as some the crazy inner, the inner waves. Yes, inner waves. There you go. So Boom. what what's been going on in in the life of Evie? Oh my gosh! I mean, my God, what? How long ago was that episode? I'm bad at time. Oh, That's I think it was maybe like, about a year and a half, maybe. Something a year like and that. a half, yeah. And it almost had to be more. I don't even think I was thinking about my. I've had um, two major surgeries since then. I've finished my transition. I have. Um, gosh, I've been all over the place. I've done a lot of stuff. Started a new um, educational network and um, continue growing our learning communities, which are just, they're just ballooning. I mean, now we're up, um, my gosh, I mean, we've been adding, you know, uh, a, a nice steady clip, but this last couple of weeks we've been growing a lot as people are coming in to, like, talk about Leah Thomas and um, trans women in sports, right? So. Right. I mean, that is a, a big topic nowadays, you know, of course, because, um, you know, it's an election year, and people need to r- r- rile up their their uh, base. Uh, that, that's part of, I think, why uh, this is getting a lot of play now is because people are going to make a big deal out of it because um, they they never seem to care about women's sports for years prior, right? They've never cared at all. Um, even in even previously um, attempts to sort of like rile this up, I think sort of fell flat because there had never been. Um, you know, there have been trans feminine athletes, but there had never been a winner right. like, of anything meaningful in this way. And, and this year we've got like a real, like, you know, Leah did an excellent job and won the championship and good on her, you know. Right. Um, but that uh, that gives a new voice to the myth, as it were. <laughs> So they one, only needed one data point, right? One woman wins one race. I mean, she had others, others that she didn't win. One woman wins one race, mm-hmm. um, and all of a sudden, it's this big conspiracy to take down women's sports. You know, it, it's it's craziness. Like, and I mean, and some people, I mean, maybe some people just do it because you know, hey, it gives them ratings stuff so they can rant about this. And other people, some people are just mean, <laughs> and and they just don't want to. You know, and, and some people just 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 don't want to listen to you know 
science. Like a lot of times, like I, I try and I try and I try and engage with people sometimes on these issues, and and you know when they start talking about you know terms that are probably antiquated uh, when it comes to uh, like transitioning, when it comes to trans people as well, and I try and you know hey, hey here's a resource that you might use to 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 mm-hmm. know to turn a little more, and they're just like no, I don't want to learn about that. They're just very stubborn, and. Like oh, what, what, yeah. what kind of ways do you, do you find like, like, I mean, some people are just so stubborn, I guess, um, hard hearted that they just don't want to learn, but you know, what, what ways do you kind of, cause I've seen you break through to some people. So, so, so how do you go about doing that? How does one break through to, to the people who are breakthroughable, if that's a word? Um, you know, I, I am sad that I don't have all the time in the world to just talk with everyone because I don't. Um, I don't believe in hard-hearted people. I don't believe anybody is just mean. Um, I I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be the villain in the story, do you know? Um, right. Nobody, nobody does that. It's a question of how much time I have to get through to them. I think everybody eventually can get that out of their system, and they can heal, and they can learn. Um People are, in a lot of ways, products of their environment. And so I'm able to get through with some very tough nuggets, if you will, um, (laughs) just because we might have some shared element of our history, something we can bond over. Um, The the biggest problem that I run into is most of my conversations happen online, and the Internet is not designed to help us agree. it is, right. it's not designed for any of that at all. It's designed for me to look at a screen and see words appear on it, you know? Right. Um, I do a lot of my best work over, like, video and audio because then people can see me, they can see me emoting, they can see that I'm a human being who's talking to them, and that just really does make all the difference in the world. But um, in terms of getting through with folks in a text medium, I think it helps to remember that they're not evil and they're not bad, and they probably genuinely do at some level believe the things that they're saying. Sometimes they need to. Um, Some of the most vicious people that I talk to who would very much like for me to be dead uh, when we begin our conversations end up being pretty good friends by the end of like sort of us working together on that. And a lot of times it comes down to them nursing some wound from their childhood or um, some unhealed trauma where they just have never gotten help they needed. They've never had a good support system. They've never had that infrastructure to help them heal and be kind. And they have, it's festered and it's turned into my problem as a trans woman. So. Right. And, and you know, we have discussed, um, I've seen, I've seen you discuss this online and on whatever is where a lot of times people will, will, call out people who uh, support ideas that are not supportive of, of, of trans people. Um, and, and a lot of times they'll throw out the term transphobia. Um, and, and that's not a word mm. that you like to use. And so, so why is it yeah. that, that you reject the term transphobia and would rather use, I guess, other terminology to describe what goes on? Oh, I do that for me, actually. I think when I say that somebody is being transphobic, if I say, oh, that's transphobia, um, what that is is me making a kind of a judgment call about that person's intent and their impact. 
Um, and the reason I don't use that is because that primes me to just feel like the situation is irresolvable. But I have worked with um, over, at this point, I have helped over 100. Um, I'm not going to give the exact number, but it's over 100. Um, TERFs or trans-exclusionary radical feminists um, who would pretty much be the definition of a person you would call transphobic. And not a single one of them has ended up actually being fundamentally afraid of or angry at or um, even just like resentful of trans people. Uh And yeah, yeah, uh, ultimately not. It took a while to get there in some cases. Don't get me wrong. They they say it, and they genuinely do believe it. But um, in the vast majority of cases, I would say 90, 95 out of that 100, almost every single one of those women was a rape victim. And they couldn't get the support they needed. Mental health care wasn't available to them. Trauma care wasn't available to them. They weren't believed or supported after what happened. So they went to the Internet to find a place that would, like, see their pain and believe them and let them feel their rage at that and genuinely express it in an honest way. And um, a lot of those spaces are, I mean, they're pretty openly misandrist in their behavior. Uh And... um, what ends up happening with them in particular is that that misandry goes from men are bad to all men are bad to if it's all men or even most men, then it must be biological because there's no other reasonable explanation for that happening. And once they cross that threshold, once they believe it's biological, Um, there's nothing in this world that is going to convince them that I am a woman because they're more concerned with some hidden biological element that is responsible for their trauma. And that's the point where we have to, we have to work all the way back through all of that to get to what happened to them. And I mean, the sad part is, is I share that history with them and we can sort of connect over it. And I think that's part of how I'm able to, help them reconnect with their humanity rather than just their place in being a terrorist or um, a radicalized person in general. And it's hard. It's hard work. It's hard to sit there and listen to somebody that would like to kill you, um, that they're Uh, that afraid of you in the moment. I can imagine. I mean, it's, I mean, I remember in in the last show, I mean, there was somebody who, who called in and and who was, I think being rather awful and I was just ready to hang up on the on the guy, and you were just like, "No, no, let me talk to him." And I'm like, "Okay, you're you're being way more empathetic than I, I than I than I would be." At some point, I would be like, "No, sorry." I I remember that guy is actually one of my favorites that I've ever gotten to talk to, just because it was so impromptu. Um, there was no build up; he just kind of came out of nowhere, right? But right, I, it was um, just like, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, some of these some of these women that I've talked to have ended up being friends of mine. Um, some of them were very well known for being turfs. Um and and now, uh, you know, they in a lot of cases, I've helped them like reconnect with their friends, reconnect with their life, and you know, um, life is still hard for them. They still have that trauma. There's some healing, but they are doing it in a much more healthy way, 
and really right. isn't that the goal, you know? Um, yeah. Because yeah, you, ne- like you, ne- you never thing, really get over that. Transphobic. Yeah, I, I mean, I still have that wound on, on right. my life. And, you know, if I, if I say a person's transphobic, if I fundamentally, I, what I'm saying when I say someone is transphobic is I'm talking about the experience that I have. Because I, right. I do have the experience of experiencing transphobia, but, like, that doesn't mean what is being done is transphobia. That means I'm experiencing transphobia. Like, all of the hate, all of the anger, all of the propaganda, all the lies and the violence and people shattering my car window and all of that, to me, that's all connected. To me, there's one simple explanation that that is happening to me because I'm trans. But that doesn't mean that it's being done because I'm trans. It's happening to me because I'm trans, but that doesn't mean that's necessarily the underlying motive that is actually pushing everything forward. It's just my experience and my interpretation of it. So if I center my interpretation of what other people are doing, then I can't connect with them because they don't see themselves that way. That way. Right. Right. Because everybody, no one, in, yeah, you said no one, no one imagines themselves the villain of their own story. So everyone thinks that they're doing the right thing. I have never met an actually transphobic person in my life. Um, There have been some people who who tried real hard, but uh, so far I've yet to meet a single person that I would bestow the label on. Even even the ones that 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 would come at you, just you know, I guess it is. I guess there's you're just always seeing that there's potentially just some underlying thing that's that's pushing their behavior and that's making them, you know, not see certain things, I guess. There's always something. There's always something. I mean, none of us are free of our childhoods. None of us are free of the conditions we were raised in. None of us are free of the hurts and stresses of our lives. None of us are free of the conditions we live in. Like, I also do work with neo-Nazis and a huge, I mean, this probably won't surprise you, a huge chunk of them are rural. And right. a lot of that need to belong, a lot of that structure that leads to them being neo-Nazis in the first place comes from the fact that they live in rural towns and that they are isolated in the ways that they're isolated and that through various forms of economic and social trauma, they ended up finding their way into that pipeline and now those are their friends. So, of course, that's what they believe. Um, right. And a lot of times they just don't, they don't understand how alienated they've become from who they wanted to be. And mm-hmm. usually that's where I can connect with them because nobody wants to be like that. Nobody, nobody starts as an 11 year old child. And it's like, what I want to be is a hate, you know, a hateful person. I mean, hurt people, hurt people, you know? Have you heard of um, Daryl Davis? You know who that is? Um, I'm really, I'm really bad with names, but I He's, You're referring to the man who works with clan members? Yes, yes. Because <laughs> what you said yeah, reminded I, me of I that. I like his work. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it reminded me um, of, of I, what he does. Yeah. yeah, I sort of came into this by accident, but I've learned a lot by sort of studying what he does with them as well. Yeah. That that I mean, that's really interesting. That's, right. really, that's really neat. Um, coming back to like, I guess some of the, some of the labels though, I mean, there, there are people that like will use, you know, antiquated, uh, labels, uh, when it, or antiquated terms, I guess, when it comes, uh, to trans folk. And, um, I was involved in one 
kind of back and forth to somebody over the whole Leah Thomas issue uh, with, with a person who, again, was, was typically, who's typically pretty darn liberal on, on many, many things. But again, just in this one particular issue is, 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 yeah. is just rejecting, the, but like, you know, using things like, you know, um, MTF or whatever, or, you know, stuff uh-huh. like that and, and like the biological sex and I'll try to give like, you know, here's some new up-to-date articles about, you know, what, why you should maybe consider not using those, those terms. Uh, then, then they find back, well, sure. here's some hospital that's using them. And I'm like, well, just because the hospital's holding holding to them doesn't necessarily mean you should use it. But like, what are your, what are your feelings yeah. about those terms and, 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 you know, and how like, like to me, I, 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 I sometimes will challenge the people that use those, but am I right? Am I wrong? you know, on, on, on challenging those for feeling that those are antiquated? Um, when it comes to correcting somebody on their vocabulary or whatever, I mean, people don't take well to being corrected um, in general, especially not in public. Right. Um, so if you, like, correct someone in a, in a public arena, you can just generally expect them to be pretty defensive. Um, those terms are... I'm not shocked to hear that hospitals are still using some of them, uh, terms like MTF or um, transsexual probably or biological sex, although I, I, I don't think that's actually a medical term, um, right. biological sex, as it were. I, I am blessed to know quite a few biologists, and all of them think that that's a ridiculous idea, um, right. the concept of like a binary biological sex. Um the thing that I would say here is like MTF, all of those terms are labels that were put onto us from medical systems. So I'm not shocked to see them remain in medical systems. Um, that doesn't mean that we are sort of obligated to view ourselves or accept being referred to the way that a medical system would prefer to refer to us, especially when that perspective that the medical system uses is really rooted in some eugenicist history. Um, it's really just seeping with bigotry um, right. and ignorance, and we know better now. And, and you will generally see that um, the more forward-thinking, the more progressive medical systems no longer use those terms. Right. And, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be surprising because women in general have a hard enough time navigating – the this 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 health care system and getting doctors to believe them when they say that this is what's mm-hmm. happening to them you know you know if uh, i'm sure i'm sure a trans woman would have the same experience like no no that's not that's not it but i guess you know, there are you know i think one of the things that i did was when they're like well here's you know here's what this doc- hospital is calling it what would you call it so i went to dr del corral's website if that's the correct way to pronounce it and was like well this mm-hmm. doctor refers to it as gender-affirming surgeries, which to me sounds a lot better, a lot more inclusive, and a lot more similar to what um, the people who I know who are trans would 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 refer yeah. it, would prefer it to be referred as. Yeah, I mean, I love Dr. Del Corral. Um, Dr. Del Corral does a very good job on on terminology, and uh, generally, generally just being a very kind person. And I think. He is extremely aware of medicine's role in the trauma of our community, historically mm-hmm. speaking. Um, you know, one of the things that I like to, to tell people, I, I've given a couple talks at med schools now, 
um, about a key system that I invented to replace the concept of biological sex. And um, every single time, I like to remind those, like, young doctors that I'm talking to or upcoming doctors, I guess you might say they're still studying, mm-hmm. that they are two generations removed from the people that would have lobotomized me. Um, those ideas are still in the medical system. They're not gone. They, you know, I, uh, I grew up in West Virginia in the shadow sort of of the asylum in Weston. Uh, you can look this up. It's the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Mm-hmm. And uh, that asylum is one of the worst ones in United States history in terms of the amount of people who died there. There were lobotomies, the ice pick lobotomies that you might know about, um, electroshock therapies, as they called them. Uh, people starved to death in cages. It's considered haunted now. It's used for, like, tours. But oh, the wow. thing is, is um, that facility closed when I was six years old. So right. this is not far-flung, long-lost medical history. We have made a lot of progress in... 30 years, you know, um, it's been a, it's been a long, it's been a long journey and a very short amount of time. And, uh, you know, it's taken a lot of advocates and a lot of anger and a lot of yelling and a lot of negotiation to get here. But, um, those words are going to take their, take some time to work themselves out of the system. And all we can do is continue to be kind and assertive in that. In terms of how to refer to, like, a trans woman like me, well, then the proper terminology is trans woman. Right. Um, That's it. Um, If you're in the medical industry, you may use terms like AMAB or AFAB, AMAP or ASAP, and these simply mean assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth. But there's really no reason for you to be using those if you're not a doctor. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I just want to say there is somebody who's called in, but they haven't hit the one button to let us know that you do want to talk. Sometimes people call just to, just to listen. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Caller, there's oh, the raised hand. We do have somebody, yes. So <laughs> call, I think it looks like I would say it looks like they're from Washington, but my uh, my area code for the talk show is somewhere in New York, and I'm in New Orleans, so it's hard to know. But caller, what's your name? Where are you from? Hi, uh, my name's Amanda. I'm from I'm from Northern Virginia. Um, I'm one of Evie's like network people, so she might already like be like, "Oh yeah, I hey don't there. know, one of my network people." Cool. Well, welcome so, to the show. Thank hi. you very much for calling in. Thank you for listening. Yeah, um, Evie, I I don't know. Like I I feel like I've chatted with you on Facebook. This, this is the first time I've like talked to you via voice. So right. I'm like. I love getting I'm nervous. You're like a celebrity. So, um, but I don't <laughs> know. So, like, so, so one of the one of the things that I've really been interested in with I know what you've posted, um, you know, recently is, uh, and like I'm really sorry if this is something like you, that is like too deep, but like your struggle with identity, mm-hmm. like just you know, me, like, me-hood, like, who I am. And I know that's something you've struggled with a lot lately. But that's, that's, I don't know, yeah. that's, that really hits, that really hits home with me because as a cis woman, that is something that I have kind of used to comfort myself, like, you know, through all the seasons of my life and all the 
changes that I'm uncomfortable with, like, I can change and I'm still who I am. And, like, mm-hmm. uh, so one of my favorite quotes is from Doctor Who, and it is comforting to me. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, it's the 11th Doctor when he's about to regenerate. It's we all change when you think about it. We're all people. We're all different people all through our lives, and that's okay. That's good. You've got to keep moving so long as remember all the people that you used to be. And, like, that's always been very comforting to me. But I wonder if, like, something like that is not super comforting to you. And, like, I don't know. I, You know, from what I've, I've chatted with you on Facebook a little bit, and you seem like a really cool person. And it seems like you've, well, I am a you know, probably, <laughs> huh? Yeah. yeah. You. It, it, I mean, I know that you've probably always, like, I, I know you've probably always been a cool person. And, like, I wonder if there's ever, if there would ever be a possibility of be, being able to connect the yous, if that makes any sense. Um, in my case, I, I mean, you've talked to me, so, you know, I probably have some special circumstances. Um, that makes things a little more stark. I think when you're a transgender person, you have to spend a little bit more time constructing and thinking about identity and um, being aware of how it moves and changes and its parts. Even if you can't put words to it, you have to be able to sort of intuit that. And the reason I say that is because... um, You know, a lot of people, I don't want to say like gender is sort of handed to them on a silver platter. It's not. They grow it naturally, and it's just never questioned. Um, It may be a factor in their life, right? Like I've never met a woman who didn't think that her womanhood was a factor in her life. But the womanhood was never really a subject of question in the same way that I have to think of it as one or that I had to, where it was like, how do I cross this chasm because I don't have this like default belief that other people give me. And so we sort of have to overpower that with our own like rocket fuel as it were to sort of give ourselves the faith that we are seeing ourselves and taking care of ourselves. But, um, you know, I, I think um, I've talked a lot about identity and gender as sort of a poem or a meme or a song right, where each one is sort of patterned after the last. And I know I'm not like a total deviation from past versions of me, but at the same time, I am, especially after this last surgery, new and excited. And I think losing who you were, in a way, is really important to um, becoming who you're going to be. Do you know what I mean? And and what I mean by that is um, I saw a video recently. It was like, imagine how little progress we would have made in this world if Thomas Jefferson was still alive. Like if if he hadn't passed on, if uh, that hadn't been, if change didn't occur by forgetting, by loss. And yeah, I mean, we would probably still have slavery. If, If like everybody in that era were still alive, right? change is necessary for, like, loss is necessary for a change to occur. And so I don't mourn those, like, parts of me that I don't get to be anymore. 
as much as I appreciate them for having the strength to help me get here. But I am, I'm not them. And, you know, a lot of people try to reassure other people like, oh, I'm, I'm not a different person. I'm just trans. Like, this has always been me. And that's not how I see it at all. I am a very different person than I was three years Did we lose somebody? And that's okay. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Am I here? Yeah, I hear you. I just, there was just a weird sound. I don't know if it was the truck passing by somebody or something, but yeah, that was, you know, I, oh, I, I, I heard know. silence. No, I mean, I'm... no, I'm here. No, I hope there's... I didn't cut out. No, yeah, that's, I, I think for a second you might have cut out, but I think I think we got most of it, so that's good. Um, oh, okay, boo hiss. Somebody, well, somebody... I hope that was fine. I, I realized a long answer. Sadie Sins from no, the YouTube chat. Sadie Sins from YouTube chat, who earlier says, "Hey, even wave," and is very happy for that topic. Goes when sense of self stands in the way of growth. So, as, as in response to, I guess, mm-hmm. I guess sometimes you, you, you know, to what you were saying, I guess, is that is that you 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 allow yourself to grow by, I guess, I guess it's more of the, um, I don't, I don't know, if I don't use that analogy, but. I don't know. Is, is a is a is a caterpillar butterfly type of analogy something that you would embrace or reject or? I um, I actually have found myself really appreciating the metaphor of the doctor, in in regeneration okay. in terms of like having that shared history but having a very different relationship to it in in sure. many sort of okay. different forms over time. Yeah, I really, I, I think Doctor Who is a fundamentally transgender tale in that way. Um, I, I really do think that describes the appearance, the um, experience very well. No, I appreciate that, and also, um, I just, I like the, one of the reasons. I don't know. I guess for the listeners out there, one of the reasons I like felt comfortable asking this question is because, like, I just, I, I. I think so many people just, even cis people just, like, appreciate how open you've been. Like, I've taken your sort of stance on life into my job, too. Like, I became a supervisor last year, and, like, I don't know. Uh Like, (laughs) no, I seriously I seriously have, like, um, like, you know, you say, like, you know, ask me anything. If there's something I'm uncomfortable with, I just won't answer it. Like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. So, I don't know. I think that's... Uh That's that's something we could all learn a lot. I don't know. You're just you're very cool. So well, message me sometime. I want to hear about your job. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, okay, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you very much for calling in. I appreciate your call again. Remember to uh, if you if, if you happen to be watching on YouTube, remember to like and subscribe the uh, the video and the channel. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh, those words! <laughs> <laughs> I love those words. It's great. You know, if, yeah, if you know, you so know. Yeah, my audience. Yes, if you know, you know. Um, if you follow me on Facebook, you'll get the joke. Yes, so follow Evie Winters on Facebook, and you'll you'll immediately get the joke, mm-hmm. or you'll eventually get the joke once you find the post. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, and that was fun. I, I love it when people call in. If anybody is like listening and isn't calling in, call in. Yes, anybody else, feel free to call in. 914-803-4131 mm-hmm. is the phone number to call into the show. Um, 
You know, mm-hmm. and we don't just talk about politics and, and trans issues I hear when, when we have Evie on. We do like to talk about other things. I think last time we talked more about hot sauce. Um, I, I think you you shared yeah. a, a, an image image the other day that that uh, oh I, I also seen other places the abomination that was supposedly a crab cake. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Like, so listen, I I moved to Maryland. I'm I'm an import, as it were. I moved here to get medical care. Um, right. There's a running joke that Maryland is a cult, not a state, and and really it's true. They make I mean, you like, snort a line of Old Bay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they make you like snort Old Bay to like prove your worth. You have to like survive the trials. Um. And so, like, I, my God, I saw that, that crab cake. It was um, in Colorado, I think it was. Yeah. It was at a, a Ren Fest in Colorado. It was like a, a crab. They called it a crab cake. It was like a weird crab ball. Yeah, and, and you should not be eating I, any sort of seafood in Colorado. I mean, that's just no. I mean, no. <laughs> I, I was I. That was a hate. That was a hate crime. Yes. Um. Whoever made that was Maryland phobic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was awful and terrible and like I I I lost years of my life looking at that image, just all all at one time. And um, I actually I'm trying to talk my wife into getting some crab cakes this weekend because I just need to like wash that out of my soul. And see, I was I was born in Wilmington, Delaware, but raised basically we moved to we moved to Baltimore when I was like a month old, so. Um, mm-hmm. So I lived there till I was 18. Then I come down here to Louisiana, and there's a lot of similarities between New Orleans and Baltimore. There's a lot of connections. It, it's it's strange how many connections there mm-hmm. are. How, you know, besides both I being port that. cities, but but you know, I could come down here and I order a crab cake, and it's like a crab stuffing ball. I'm like, what are you doing? No, stop it. That is not a crab cake. That, that there should be no breading in a crab cake. Stop it. And I went mm-hmm. to I going to one restaurant, and I just loved the the crab meat au gratin they served at this place. It was like huge, like lumps of crab meat, like crab lump crab, like the size of your thumb, like just a bunch of it mm-hmm. in this cheesy sauce that was just wonderful. But I got tired of ordering the same thing all the time, and I was like, "Tell me about your crab cakes. How much how much breading is in one of your one of these crab cakes?" And the, and the chef goes, the waitress goes back to the chef. Chef goes, "No, there's no there's no breading in the crab cake." I'm like, okay, so I'll oh, try okay. it. And it come out, it's it's a complete crab stuffing ball. I'm like, no, send this back. You said no breading. This is all breading. There's like strings of crab meat, not like lump crab meat. No. Like, mm. I think there's maybe one restaurant, maybe Emerald's down here, Emerald Lagasse's restaurant, did a crab cake. And I was like, good. But I don't think he even called it. That's the thing. He didn't even call it a Maryland-style crab cake. He just called it a crab cake. I mean, every time somebody says, Maryland style crab cake. I'm immediately sus, sus. It's it's immediately suspect. I do not trust it at all. And usually, and usually that's, that trust is, is right. That's like if I. Uh, that's like if I um when you know it's like I always tell people I'm like if anybody outside of West Virginia ever offers you a pepperoni roll, it's not a pepperoni roll. Like I don't care what they say, it will not be a pepperoni roll. Not in the way that we invented it. And you need to go to West Virginia to get one or track yourself down to West Virginia and have them make it for you. So what is a pepperoni roll? Because I don't think I've had one. I've, I've been through West Virginia, but I don't think I've uh, ever had. 
oh my goodness, the next time you go through, um, if you go through West Virginia, like especially like Buchanan, there's a uh, there's a donut shop in Buchanan. Um, and I think we just call it the donut shop, and uh, they sell pepperoni rolls there, not just donuts. It mm. is a roll with pepperoni in it. Now it sounds like a very simple thing, right? And it is right. a very simple thing, and that's and that's where um, it was invented as like a meal for coal miners. Or popularized as a meal for coal miners because you could let it stay out. Um, it didn't have to be refrigerated, and you could take it down to the mine. And because it had spice in it, the coal miners could actually taste it after the um, the dust from all the coal had sort of robbed them of a lot of their uh, sensory hmm. um, ability to like enjoy taste. So it was something they could actually taste too. They'd probably put hot sauce on it. Yeah. Um, but it's literally it's a it's like a yeasty uh, dinner roll with pepperoni in the middle of it. Now you can always tell if you've got a good one because the grease will have soaked through the bottom of it. If you pick up the pepperoni roll and it is not like absolutely stained solid with grease on the bottom end, it is not good. Don't eat that one. Fair uh, enough. It, it's, they're disgusting, but so good. <laughs> nice. Well, it's like it reminds me a lot of. It sounds similar to the creation of. Uh, the French fry po' boy down here in, in New Orleans, uh, where it's basically just French bread mm-hmm. and French fries. And it was originally just like kind of beef drippings from the pan because it was a cheap sandwich that the laborers could afford to buy from the from the meal carts. And now it's just something that I want a French fry po' boy, and it's so good. It's so bad for you, but it's so good. Uh, anyway, do we have another it's caller on the line? It's good for you. It's good for your heart. Yes. Um, I think Hi there, this caller. looks like a... I think it looks like a Delaware number, maybe three hundred two. I think. Oh, Am I right? We love a good. We love a good Delaware. Am I right, Delaware? I think. Is that right? I think I might. Hi, can y'all hear me? I can hear you. Yes, we can hear you. Yeah. Hi, hi, hi. Where are you from? <laughs> well, I'm from Delaware, but I'm currently I'm currently in Maryland. Um, um, uh, yeah. My. Uh, my name is Kirsty. I don't know. You know, I uh, I'm I'm like mildly familiar with Ed. I've like met her a couple times. Um, <laughs> I was, and because it's and because I, it's Kirsty and not Christy, I'm pretty sure I know who it is too. <laughs> yeah. So I am and like I'm going out on the limb here. Um, and I I heard she was talking about it on the show, so like I figured I'd ask. Evie, do you want to go get crab cakes with me, like on a date sometime? <laughs> are you are you asking me out, caller? Yeah, I, I, are you asking? Are you I, asking I, me? I, oh wow, I am so flattered. And like, yeah, I would I would love to go on a date with you. That sounds great. Well, it's so nice. <laughs> um, uh, do you prefer tartar sauce or, or cocktail sauce on your crab cakes? After the date, I'm going out on a further limb. Would you like to perhaps get married? I would marry you every day. (laughs) Aww. Y'all are just too cute. Like... (laughs) You know, like... You know, like, when, like, you know, you see, like, you know, some people, sometimes you see people, like, in love or whatever and like and how and sometimes you're like oh that's just too much or whatever y'all are just like it causes me euphoria like the interactions that y'all have together just just make me so happy it's 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 just 
wonderful. Oh, I'm glad it's not too much. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it is too much, if you want less, go get less. <laughs> it was less. No, sorry. So, um, yeah. I'll get I'll get on the, the crab cake date preparation and thanks for having me All on right. the show. <laughs> I want that matzo ball soup one day, by the way. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, matzo ball I'll, soup. We were just talking is, about that earlier. Yeah. I, I was I was thinking I'll, I was I'll craving some earlier today. It's pretty good. <laughs> it, it looks absolutely mm-hmm. fabulous. So if I'm ever, whenever I'm back in, in Maryland sometime, I'm going to have to just do a drive-by and get some matzo ball soup, I think. Cause, yeah. <sighs> it's, it's real Be good. Be careful with that word up here. Or just have, or just have a, uh, or just, just have a uh, potluck with crab cakes and matzo ball soup, you know. Oh, uh, sounds that good. sounds delightful. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Thank you so much, Kirsty. I, and I was and so, I was my wife, so, for everybody who doesn't know. Yes. Every, and uh, every time, like that one, one time I was interacting with her on one of the groups or whatever, and I kept on responding, and my, my autocorrect kept on forcing me to type Christy. And it was just like, stop it, thumbs. Like, what are you doing? I had to force my phone to learn words. I just got to correct you real quick. Um, they. They. I'm sorry. Yes, they. they. they, they. No, no, it's all, it's all good. Yes. Um, I just wanted to let you know. Um, things happen. Listen, things happen. I got, um, like temporarily misgendered by the UPS guy the other day and he looked very embarrassed very quickly because I wasn't who he expected to be opening the door and he just wasn't looking and just started talking and then Mm -hmm. looked up and saw me there in like a robe, um, cause Mm -hmm. I hadn't like gotten ready for the day yet. And so there I am in a robe looking like I may or may not be about to inherit an, uh, inherit riches from my recently deceased husband and um he's like oh my gosh i'm so sorry ma'am he's like is this guy here i'm like no i don't know that's upstairs anyway oh that's a misgendering happens it's not the end of the world i know it's yeah it's happened before Mm -hmm. and with with i have i have a couple of uh non-binary friends and and you know i I think i think Mm -hmm. it's a matter sometimes it's a matter of with them, at least, it's a matter of um, intent, I guess, or, or willingness to, like, you know, like, I think there's there was one time we were at a karaoke, and I slipped up once, and I'm like, I'm sorry, and then I, I got it right for the rest of the night, and it was fine. Um, and then the other one, it just, the other person who we were with just consistently was doing it. It was not making any effort, and I think that's, that, that, that to them yeah, was... That. That to them was the most was the most you know aggravating thing was uh, that it is hard no when people like don't invest the effort or care, um, or even just like the awareness that comes with like having realized they made a mistake. Um, some people just don't aren't very mindful when they speak, right. and um, as a consequence, will continue to repeat, and then they get frustrated because they continue to repeat things, and. Um, you know, people can only learn so quickly, but at the same time, um, if you're going to mess up, like, do apologize. Like, you wouldn't want to refer to somebody by the wrong name. Right. You know, um, this stuff's important. You know, if if you can uh, refer to your uh, evolved Pokemon by the new name, you can refer to a person by their new name, too. Yeah, right? it's true. It's true. And for the most part, people have been pretty good about my name. I I occasionally run into somebody that's like tries to use my dead name, and I'm like, I, I've stopped even recognizing that as a name that I ever once responded to. 
um, since my surgeries, it's just dead to me completely. Like, it's not even like I feel bad about it anymore. It just, I barely remember ever having that pain. Right. I'm just like, who? Yeah. Um, which is, it turns out if you just say who, that's a pretty good, like, response. <laughs> um, turns out that brings, <laughs> brings awareness to the situation. Who? Oh, yeah, that's right. I thought your name. Yeah. Who, who are you talking about? Yeah, I don't um, know that person. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly people pick up on it. Yeah. There's a clip that I cannot yeah, um, find. Like, like, and I've, I've, there's a clip that I can find. It's completely unrelated. It's sports ball related, but it was, you know, it was because uh, there's uh, sports. Yes, Shaquille O'Neal was was being interviewed on some Christmas or something, and they asked him about his Kobe Bryant, former teammate, and there was some bad blood at the time, and and he was just like, "Who? Kobe Bryant? I don't know that name." So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I saw one with Eminem doing that. It's a good, yeah. it's a good play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um. Yeah. But yeah, like ever since that, like a whole bunch of stuff that used to really bother me. Um, it's amazing how much of like just a psychological difference like having the surgeries has made in my life. Um. By the way, if anybody wants to, you can find my surgeries, like the videos of them, on Dr. Del Crow's YouTube. Um. You know, they're graphic. Those are surgery videos. But if you've ever wanted to see somebody get their face peeled off, I highly recommend them. It's surreal. Um, yeah, people are always like, I don't want to, like, can I ask you a question? It's a little invasive. And I'm like, hon, my vagina's on YouTube. You cannot, <laughs> you're, you're not going to invade my privacy more than that. So right. go for it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a good, um, it's a fun little factoid to slip into a conversation. You can see me getting operated on, on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's such a, surreal experience to see myself on the table because obviously I have no memory of it. Um, and, you know, somebody the other day was like talking to me about changes in my body and it's like, I don't even remember what it was like before, um, before I had my bottom surgery. Like people, somebody's asking like about bathroom habits, like about like what's harder is like, which, which was the better equipment to go to the bathroom with. And like, I can sort of remember the mechanics of everything, but I'm like, I don't, I don't spend time comparing them. I just don't remember right. anyone. Um, if surgeries are wild. And but I do want to say like Dr. Del Crow's team, um, just incredible. Incredible. I've never had that good of medical care in my life. Just wild. And there needs Especially to, considering I was having like mm-hmm. There needs to be more of that. There needs to be more good quality care like that where where, you know, you feel like, you know, you're being cared about and and, and, and that you matter. And everything I've seen oh, from yeah. you, from your posting online was, was, you know, not just the fact that, you know, Dr. Del Corral is a snack, but that he's like just caring and wonderful and, and he cares about, you know, his patients. But there was lots of thirst going on in those chats. Here's my doctor. Oh my and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> you can't, you can't mention that man anywhere without uh, somebody dropping out of the woodwork to talk about like, oh my God, he's attractive. And I was like, yeah, try being in the room with him all the time. Uh, like, he's just, like, he just puts off such, like, a kind and comforting aura. So you're like, let's just go get dinner. Like, let's, just, <laughs> let's just go talk. I just want to talk to him sometimes. Uh, we actually are going to have um, a uh, charity Q&A together where we're going to take right. questions from the Internet. And um, the spicier the questions, the spicier the food that we're going to be having. So um, my goal is to crush this man in a public arena. 
because I know mine are class <laughs> tolerance, but I suspect he's not on my level. I, I don't think many people are. I, I mean, for your love of hot sauce and your variety of hot sauce, I mean, I, I think you'd, you'd give, you'd get, you would probably bury me as well. I mean, I, I can hold my own with, with a I lot. I want to go on but, hot. Hmm? If the, uh, if the like showrunners for hot ones are watching or listening to this, like I want to be on the show. I want to be on hot ones. That's like one of my life goals is to be on hot ones. I would love to see that. You just crush them. Have you seen like, I think there was was the there was the hot ones with I think the Avengers cast, and like all I of them were, have seen all of, parts of it, and I think all of them were destroyed except for um, Elizabeth Olsen, and Elizabeth Olsen just sitting there eating the hot wings <sighs> like, da da da, this is good, this is yummy, give me more. Oh yeah, no, that's she's my she's my heart, she's my heart. I love her, and um, the Scarlet Witch is one of my favorite characters in the Marvel universe. Anyway. So I'm sort of like A plus on on Elizabeth Olsen, but also just like the the complete no sell with that hot sauce. I was very mm-hmm. impressed, and I would love to like do the same. I think my favorite Hot Ones episode was probably like Aubrey Plaza, though. I mean, anything with Aubrey Plaza has to be good, right? I adore Aubrey Aubrey Plaza so much. Like, just what a, what a fun human, right? Right. Best thing to come out of Delaware, and I, and, and, and that's including me. <laughs> Best. Uh, <laughs> I don't. My my wife is out of Delaware. Hmm. So I'm I'm a little biased. So, so you're biased, yes. Yeah, so, so so you've got Kirsty, yeah. Zed, Aubrey Plaza, then me, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, basically. All right. Yeah, um, I'll take bronze. Mm-hmm, that's fine. Mm-hmm. So to bring it all back to the whole sports competition, I'll take bronze. I'm happy with that. Oh goodness, sports! <laughs> I if I never hear about sports ever again in my life, it'll be this week has been just exhausting. Um, I can imagine. I, mean, just... I just feel so bad for Leah Thomas. Like in in I I know Leah probably won't hear this. I can if I were Leah, I'd be staying away from the internet right now. But right, um, just I feel so. I um. You know, I've been put in front of a lot of public harassment before, but I never been, I've never been like strung up on Fox News that way. You know, mm-hmm. and right. that that poor woman, just I my heart just goes out for her so much, especially because so much of it is like what you said. It's it's election year politicking. It's turning this woman who just wants to swim into a symbol of all trans people who do sport. Um, It's abusive. It's abusive to her, the treatment she's getting. It's abusive to the whole community. Um, But, you you know, even on our side, I really, not our side, but, like, even on the, like, trans-affirming perspectives. Right. um, There's a real lack of just, like, treating Leah like a human being. And uh, discussing her like a person. And, you know, people are like, oh, numbers this, numbers that, swim speed, here's how much worse she got. And and just her record is being picked apart. Her body's being picked apart. And I feel like nobody's stopping to go like, wow, this is a human being we're discussing. And it just breaks my heart. Yeah, that's a very good point. 
Um, and like one of the things I've said about all this stuff with, with all these, you know, people with trans, like it seems like people are just cherry picking quote fairness, you know, you know, oh, it's not fair. Well, what is fair? Like, is it fair? Like so when it comes like that, the high school sports thing, like there's a, is it fair that a one family might be well off enough to afford a trainer for their kids and the other kids can't get the trainers. So that person now has an advantage. Is it, fair to the people with a medical condition who can't get a sports scholarship because they have, you know, they can't, you know, maintain a, an athletic I'm weight. Say something. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say something here. That's probably a little, um, this might be a little bit of a hot take, but, okay. um, you know, if it gets, if it gets a little spicy then whatever, I've already been canceled once. Um, ah. I believe that unfairness as it were, or disproportionate, um, individual success is celebrated in masculine sports, in male sports. A standout performer, somebody who wins every time, somebody who does an amazing job, who has genetic advantages, those people are rewarded. They are given celebrity and fame. Uh, think right. about like Michael Phelps, right? That is somebody yeah. who's genetically predisposed to being yeah. just a damn good swimmer. Um, like if you I, build a ridiculous. human body for swimming, it would look like Michael Phelps. And it's ridiculous. Like, but like Michael I, I, Phelps yeah. was put on the front of a cereal box and celebrated. And right. then. What, did we lose you? I heard. Ah, I don't know what happened. We seem to have lost Evie. I don't know. Anybody in the YouTube chat? Can the YouTube chat hear me? Is it, is it me losing Evie, or is it, or is it me losing Blog Talk Radio? Oh wait, uh, I hear a little bit of Evie. She has no, what? I, I I missed a whole bunch of like the last thirty seconds of what you said after 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 your oh. Michael Phelps being celebrated. <laughs> oh, um, Caster Caster, I think is the Caster Semenya, I think is how you would say her name. Yes, yes, um, yes. And, and, like, she has naturally high-occurring testosterone. Something like that would be celebrated in male sports, right? But right. in in feminine sports and women's sports, that is considered to be um, unfair, right? And so generally speaking, um, there's this assumption that shows up when it comes to women that high performance is not to be rewarded. And... That's cis, trans, whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. High performance is punished in women's sports. Now, um, Leah did not perform in a record-breaking way or absolutely right. devastate the competition. Like, Leah won in a good and competitive race. But right. What, but, like, there's still no case where it's like, oh, this woman is just killing it. She's doing an amazing job. We're going to celebrate her. We're going to put her on the front of a cereal box. That doesn't happen. And um, one of my points that I make when it comes to sports and this whole conversation is there's a, um, I actually don't think the sexes should be separated for sports. I think it should all just be one league and you should separate people based on their performance. And I, I feel very strongly about that because you know, in the um, mid-20th century, there was this whole idea that women couldn't do school, like couldn't succeed academically, 
because, you know, men had larger brains and therefore greater thinking capacity and so on and so forth, right? And mm-hmm. um, that, that ended up not being true. But at the time, that was the science, right? That was the, what it really was is just there was no incentive. There was no incentives for women to work hard at education because there was no, incentive, there was no reward for that. There was no right. win for that. Um, it wasn't societally selected for. I mean, think about all the boys you've ever grown up with, right? How many mm. of them did not have their parents attempt in any way, shape, or form to get them into a sport, right? In some kind of sport, in some sort of, like, physical activity. Now, think about the women in your life. How many of them can say the same thing, that their parents never really tried to force them into sports? And right. in my case, I think that's most of the women I know. Most women I know were never forced to compete in any kind of athletics. Um, and they were never – so, like, how many high-performing women are just never discovered? Because, like, they may have the genetic ability to do high performance, but they aren't discovered because the conditions are not there to discover them. And even if they were discovered, they have to fight tooth and nail for recognition, for low pay, for a system where their coaches can sexually assault them with no consequence for all of it. And all of that punishment, all of that harshness, all for low pay, low attendance at races, low interest, all of that to be second fiddle to the men's sports. And I think that's nonsense. Like, just put all of them together, and I I bet within a generation we'll see women competing at the exact same level as men. I mean, I mean that's definitely a – you know, an, an interesting, interesting thought. I, I wouldn't cancel you for it. You know, <laughs> well, I'll have you back academically. on. Um, right. Like, yeah. Like academically, we took the chains off. We said, okay, here, like you can go to school, same books, same resources, same teachers, same everything as the men. And what happened within a generation, within a decade, within 15, 20 years, we started seeing more and more women outperforming the men academically. And now it's sort of a foregone conclusion that girls are better at school um, and that men are better athletics, right? That wasn't always the case. That wasn't always what was thought. That's a good point. So if, if we if we gave people the opportunity mm-hmm. to shine, they might shine. If, if, we, if we just assume that they're not and treat them as if they're not going to, then they might live down to that, those expectations exactly. too. Raise your expectations. Exactly. Well, and men are socialized to see themselves as um, men are socialized to see themselves as only valuable through prominence and through performance, whatever that manifests as. Usually, it's like money, promotions, fame, uh, achievement, right? But Sexual in partners. general, men are socialized <laughs> yeah, exactly like to have notches in the belt, to have something you right. can claim as an authority, to demand respect, right? Um, right. Whereas women are not socialized to insist on being famous or rich or powerful in order to feel a sense of self-worth. Um, you know, there's a different sense of socialization there. We're sort of socialized to feel more social, more popular. Um, we are socialized to experience, like, nurturing, right? We, we're supposed to be nurturing. Right. Claim. Um, Men are supposed to take charge. Women who do so are bossy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So right. we're sort of incentivized to have those traits 
that men are not allowed to have, right? Like man stays home and takes care of the kids. Like his buddies are going to rhythm about it forever. Um, or is just like a kind person. Right. At the same, so like there's a very different set of like just social incentives there. Men, young boys are like desperate. Like think about how many of those kids that are being like funneled into sport. That's the only way they can get their parents to like recognize them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's not the case for girls. Um, at least not in general. Unless it's usually unless it's like you know with the girls it's it's more we're gonna put you in on uh, the dance team or the or the modeling or whatever and not the exactly you know, yeah and, cheer yeah. cheer cheer squad mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like, so very different incentives. Deminox, I can't call myself a gamer anymore because of toxic maleness. I, I, do, I do have to kind of disagree with that. I, I, I have a gaming store that I, that I would frequent prior to the pandemic and will frequent again now that things are kind of opening back up a bit. Um, and, and they're really good about fighting the toxicity uh, that comes with your, your stereotypical male gaming culture. Um, they're, they're very good about it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's other gaming stops in the area that are not, uh, but this one that I go to is, is typically is. So just to kind of respond to a chat comment, uh, since Sadie Sin says academia is still rewarding classism though, inherent racism, et cetera. They still decide based on income circumstances, who is allowed a chance. And that's also true. Um, oh yeah, you know. absolutely. That is 100% true. Um, like the classism, I mean, even in grammar, I, I'm from Appalachia. And right. academia would have crushed my dialect out of me if I had allowed it. Um, you know, like I, I had to like regain my ability to feel good and comfortable saying y'all mm-hmm. because academia just, I, I have three degrees. Like that was just crushed out of me um, to feel comfortable expressing myself in the way that like I was, I was taught to view being from Appalachia as like low brow. Right. Know, um, that that was something I should be ashamed of or hide, and I, I definitely no longer feel that way. I sort of celebrate my heritage in that way. But yeah, there's, there's, there's. I mean, that's not to say that like academia is like winning it right now in terms of like their ethics. I'm right. saying they've changed their ethics in terms of gender. And yeah, now they just need to change the ethics in terms of other things too. But you know, some ways Everything to start, right? Else. Yeah. Even on like yeah. the, I mean, and, on, like, the racial issues. Like, I like on the racial issues. I saw some interview. I forget who was being interviewed. I think it was some celebrity. It was basically, you know, somebody was asking him about how, you know, uh, some people will will code switch um, for for the the term that's usually used for it. And yeah, but the uh, where person said most black people I know are bilingual in that they can speak, you know, their regular vernacular. Then they have to, you know, speak a different way if they want to get the job. And it's like. That's horrible that you can't just be yourself and get the job. You know, same thing with, you know, black hair and everything else that, you know, you know we're not focusing on race this show. But, yeah, it's just, there's, there's so many problems um, in society. There's that, an Instagram account I follow where I, I – and I actually followed him because of this um, – because of this exact topic, uh, that mm-hmm. kind of code switching in language. Because, we, I mean, I – love language one of my degrees is in english and um i speak several so i i love language i love playing with language and uh he was talking about the um switching between 
AAVE, I think he said maybe Ebonic at the time. Right. African-American um, and I think, yeah, and um, and I, I guess you would say academic English. I can't remember right. what he said. I'm really bad with the particulars, but I always get the idea. And right. um, I think the, I think the the Instagram account is like consciously or something like that. I can look it up before we go, because um, I, I I make it a point to go and check out his material as much as possible. Um, but he's a he's a very thoughtful speaker on just a lot of issues and pointing out these sort of systemic influences of uh, white supremacy and white supremacist thinking and uh, eugenicist and colonialist thinking um, in some places where it might be invisible otherwise. And I really, I really like his style. So let me see if I can find that account really quickly. I I got it. It's it's the consciously Instagram.com slash the consciously. Yeah. The consciously L E E all one word. Mm -hmm. Fantastic account, highly recommend. What a what a fantastic uh, educator. Yeah. Real real cancel culture is getting locked up for a petty drug case, being too poor to get a lawyer, having your public defender convince you to agree to a felony, then society tell you where you can live, whether or not you can vote, and what jobs you can hold for the rest of your life. Yep, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's just a fantastic educator, so I um one hundred percent recommend him and um I, I, there are very few people online who I would say like are activists where I'm like 100% of the content they share. I've almost always enjoyed, but mm. he is one of them. I will definitely, I, I followed him. I'll have to get some more, look at mm. some more stuff after the show. I, I, um, I will say algorithms tend not to favor content from black creators. Right. Um, like at all. So if you're going to follow black creators, if you're going to follow, um, really any kind of marginalized creator, but it seems like these algorithms like really do not like black creators. Uh, just like set aside a bookmark or something and m- make sure to like consciously return to that because right. the algorithm is usually not going to show them to you first. Makes sense. Seems to follow, follow suit with mm. everything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, right, the algorithm sort of, um, I don't, blame Facebook. I don't think Facebook like went out of their way to like create like racist algorithms. I think that they created algorithms that reflect the opinions of the users and the users put it's sort of a a virtuous cycle without the virtue where the users bring that white supremacy into the system and train it and then it reinforces it. Mm. So breaking out of that is a very conscious sort of thing to do and uh, you have to remember to do it or create the habits to do it. So if you're going to follow, like I know consciously is on Facebook. Um, what I would recommend doing is just like turning on notifications for that account. Just make sure you see everything. Right. It's just weird with me on that. Cause I unfollowed somebody just remain the friendship, but just kind of unfollowed. I get all of their posts. <laughs> it's just crazy. As you like, do. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know why that happens, but it, it's happened. Mhm. I feel so. that. Um, and as, and as, and as a software developer, longer we have to be another question. Um, no one's called in. No one else has called in. Um, we're just kind of rambling at this point. I have a. We have a full hour and a half that that that's available, but we can go at any time. It's not a big deal. Um, oh yeah, e- I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how, like how long we had. No, I'm good. I can do this as long as you want. Listen. <laughs> well, more Evie is more gooder. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a little more winter? 
Exactly. Um, I love making bad puns based on my name. It's a lot of fun. Like uh, the uh, the parental jokes, the mom jokes, write themselves. Right. Yes. Somebody uh, somebody was like, "Are you a?" Uh, somebody like accused me of being a snowflake, and I'm like, "Yeah, no crap, I'm a winter." Right. Like. What does I, a joke I love become a mom? snowflakes. We're actually. What? When does a joke become a mom joke? Exactly, exactly. When it becomes apparent. No, I. Yeah, when it becomes apparent, <laughs> transparent. I'm so looking forward to having children. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to be a mom. You're going like, to be a great mom. Yeah, I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that you will be a great mom. I, um, I don't know if it's show appropriate to remind me to tell you sometime about how uh, he and I plan to ruin our kids' lives. We have it. We have this planned out because I'm a big believer that you need to plan small traumas for them, so that big ones don't. I believe it like wards off the big ones if you just plan out the small ones. Fair so, enough. Um, yeah, and like you got to make them funny though. You got to make it something like if they talk about it later in life, everybody's like, "That's hilarious," you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I like to troll my kids. Story, not something that's actually. We've got like a multi-year troll planned out. At April Fool's Day of 2020, I programmed the Alexa uh, to answer the specific question. Uh, so I told them that, I told them in, in person that April Fool's Day was changed to April 5th uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And then I programmed the Alexa to respond to, um, I, could, I can't do it now, Let me, I, I reprogrammed it again. But I program Alexa to, when I said, Alexa, when, when's April Fool's Day? And then Alexa responds, April Fool's Day is April 5th because of the COVID-19 pandemic and kept it that way for two years. But this year, this year, I, I reprogrammed it back. Um, as April, Alexa, when's April Fool's Day? And I'm going to have Alexa say, April Fool's Day was always April 1st. I pranked you. <laughs> so. I'm really looking forward to April Fool's Day this year. I think you're going to enjoy it, real and then. So nice. um, I, I know I see you around sometimes. I think you're going to have a very good time with this year's April Fool's Day joke. Yeah, I, I look forward to the my, good one. My fear about this joke is it's actually going to stick. I can't tell you what <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm like, so afraid we're going to have to make it permanent and that people uh-huh. are actually going to like it. And, um, I mean, we'll just roll with it if that happens. But, like, that's my, that's my biggest fear is that people are going to be like, no, wait, this is a good idea. So, oh, the, um, you're not doing you're not doing a third a third sticky note somewhere for get notifications, are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Um, okay. I've been like doing I've been doing a lot of like connecting things automatically. Um, I've been doing hard work in the background to make all of this happen. Don't worry, it's nice. been a very good time. Um, the problem with uh, April Fool's Day for our communities is the trans day of visibility is the 31st of March. Right. And so it's like right there. They just nestle right up against each other. It's like it's hard to do planning for both of them. Nice. Of course, all we're talking mm-hmm. we're talking about all like the racial differences and privilege and stuff like that. And my phone must have heard me and channeled it to my Facebook because I'm looking at Facebook on my on my monitor and it is an example of, you know, you know, uh, uh, a black woman and a white man in a race, and he's like, "What's the matter? It's the same distance." And he has two hurdles, and she has alligators and spikes and barbed wire to get over, and a and a 
at a ball and chain or yeah. tied to her leg. Like, you know. Uh-huh. Um, I, I definitely appreciate comics of the sort that try to make things like physical. Right. The way that we can sort of like manifest them and see them. I think, um, I think as Westerners, especially, uh, we tend to focus on things we can sort of measure easily, um, that we can put into a box and sort of put inside of certain parameters. And I, I don't think you can do that with bigotry. I don't think that's how bigotry works. Um, right. and I don't think you can do that with systemic marginalization of any kind. You have to um, you have to approach those things with a bit more creativity. And the um, you know I was having this talk with somebody about um, the patriarchy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I said to the person, I'm like, I'm not really sure the patriarchy actually exists. Uh-huh. Sort of for the same reason that I say that transphobia might not really exist, right? Or if it does exist, it's my perception of of a thing that occurs. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, the patriarchy, as it were, is like there's no, like, governing board of the patriarchy. There's no – we're describing years and years and years and, and even centuries of systems and beliefs and influences that haven't worked their way out, but it's more organic than that. And I think sometimes by naming something like the patriarchy or even – uh, what what have you, like the patriarchy or transphobia, sometimes we make it bigger than mm-hmm. it is. Um, I saw a uh, I saw a video on it was really, like his dad like walked into his daughter's room and the room was messy and he like broke her TV with a guitar because mm-hmm. she hadn't cleaned it. And um, like a, a child care expert sort of interrupted the video. They did like the freeze frame and said, right. okay, let's talk about why this room wasn't clean. And the reason was is because, you know, dad had said clean the room, but this child literally could not comprehend what it meant to clean the room. But his dad had said, put the socks away, then that could have been done. If dad had said, make the bed, that could have been done. The child could have understood that. If there had been a list of, like, here are the things that need done, the child could have worked through those things. Um, and understood them. So when I think about the patriarchy, I'm thinking here are all these layers and layers and layers of systems and beliefs and intersections. And Mm -hmm. when we talk about them as all one thing, I feel like we lose a lot of that detail where we could be saying, let's put the socks away, you know, Um, sort of as a society, because I I don't think as adults we're all that different than children. Um. We're smarter about it. We have more words, mm. but all all in all, like a lot of our processing abilities are not that much more developed. We're still fundamentally emotional creatures. Um, we're we're not like log- we're not robots, you know. Right. Um, we can't just say like deprogram patriarchy and it's done. You have to work on the individual parts, and I think this like sort of broad overarching language makes it hard to see those parts. So, you could you could I'm, put that in I'm, even I'm into politics firm. as well. Like you could say like you know I want Medicare for all, and people are like uh, then complain about it. But then you ask them individually about things that would be in Medicare for all, and they're like, well that sounds good, and that sounds good, and that sounds good. So yeah, <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. you gotta 
approach and, things from from the from piece by piece, bit by bit. Yeah, and I mean politics is a, is also a different um, a different arena in so many ways. Like I grew up in Appalachia; that was my life. I mean, I grew up in Klan territory. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a place where there's this road that was supposed to come through um, my town growing up. Right. Uh, they call it corridor. They call they call it corridor H where I'm from. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if that road has a different name. I've never heard it called anything else, but they call it corridor H. And the fear of this road coming through was always that it was going to bring the outside world in. Appalachia right. has always been very isolated and um, and spiteful. You know, we we don't really appreciate people telling us what to do or how to think or how to be. We don't really appreciate those outside influences because we have bad experiences with them. Like, you know, you know the term redneck, right? Right. Do you I'm know where that comes familiar. from? Where? It comes from West Virginia. But it's and not, it's, more specifically, it comes from, it comes from the mine wars. We, mm-hmm. um, in, in West Virginia, the miners rose up against um, basically the capitalists who mm-hmm. were buying up land, forcing people to work in company towns, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And we're doing so with violence. And, and uh, they wore red bandanas around their necks. They um, actually were socialists. And huh. the socialists armed them. And the term redneck, which has now become a pejorative as a sort of insult to one's intelligence, was actually these, like, socialist, um, essentially sort of, like, anti-capitalist fighters of of West Virginia. And now, like, their, their legacy has been reduced to an insult for intelligence. Wow. Um, but yes, they, they are, the term redneck comes from the red bandanas that they wore. And um, so that was how they were identified, as they wore the red bandanas during the mine wars. But you can look it up. It's called the mine wars. Um, they didn't last all that long, but it was something. And that's, that's West Virginian culture right there is a lot of that suspicion of even internally, suspicion of rich people, suspicion of power, suspicion of everybody from outside. Um, I don't, you might notice that I don't have the accent. And um, even though I grew up in West Virginia, I never really did develop the accent for a variety of reasons. And um, that caused me to be suspected when I was younger. People thought the way I spoke sounded elitist and insulted. And they thought I was like talking down at them because I wasn't like speaking with the accent. So I sounded foreign in a way. And um, that sense of alienation doesn't really go away. Like, a lot of the politics of West Virginia can just be firmly described as, like, well, you all didn't want to leave us alone, so we're going to cause trouble. Right. Um, There's not really, like, these strongly held conservative beliefs in West Virginia. It's more of, like, please leave us the hell alone. And they just generally are spiteful. (laughs) Like yeah, and um, it was like it's one of those things where like when I was growing up, um, when I was growing up, like being a cop in West Virginia was not something you wanted to do. It was a mm. dangerous job, and nobody right. liked you. Um, in West Virginia, all cops were bastards, and that was that was the. I mean, literally, it was like a crowning achievement for somebody to get in a fist fight with a cop. Like that was going to get you drinks at the bar the next day. 
you know? Uh. Um, oh, yeah, that was how it was when I was growing up. Like, everybody had stories about getting in fights with the police. Some people made them up because they weren't actually brave enough to fight the police. And it really wasn't until race, like, race discussions happened in West Virginia because, like, we didn't have a lot of racial diversity in West Virginia. Um, right. But it wasn't, it wasn't until sort of a mutually agreed on enemy was presented to West Virginians, um, sort of that stereotypical view of black people as being fundamentally like othered and dangerous that West Virginia suddenly decided they liked cops. Like that was, that was never that way until outside influences sort of like used propaganda to make it so. It's been absolutely wild seeing some people who hated cops when we were kids, but like they've become cops now. So. Well, we got bringing a boy yeah, in, the, in the chat room, <laughs> in the YouTube chat, bring, uh-huh. bringing a, this, one, of, one of my regulars who is a conservative finally popped into the YouTube chat. Oh, hi there, conservative friend. <laughs> they're, they're typically nice to me, which is nice. And, uh, you know, Best of the thoughts to your wife, mm-hmm. who got the, she, had a, she had a car accident and apparently it was pretty bad. Hadn't heard from him from a while. Mm-hmm. Just heard about it, heard about it yes last uh, week. So it's 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 a shame, but you know, mm-hmm. all best wishes out that way. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. and usually he pops in when I'm about to like I was about thinking that you know two hours might be a uh, might be a uh, a good a good ending time for the show, and then he usually pops in like right when I'm about to end the show. I'm like. Two weeks in a row now. That was like last week. I was like about to end the show, and then all of a sudden, there he is after weeks and weeks. So anyway. Sure. So how well, how is, uh, what is he saying? That's nothing. He just said something about Big D. Like I guess because I'm Dan, so Big D. I don't know. Didn't say anything else. But um, is there Do anything else that call you Big D? Usually not. I mean, usually not. That's, just, that's quite you know, the nick. That's quite the nickname there, Big D. I know. I mean, what, what can you do? I love I'm, that. I'm, that's funny. Usually, the big guys are called tiny, <laughs> or, or you know, mockingly or whatever, or, or that's lovingly. That's true. Depending. Like, why do they always call him that? Yeah, so it's weird. Yeah. Like, like a lot of times, like I'll be walking down the street, like, and some people will be like, "Hey, big mm-hmm. guy," and I'll take it as a, I'll be like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" and I'll take it as friendship, as a friendly gesture, but other people might make the comment. I'd be like, uh, like, stop, stop hitting me because I'm fat. <laughs> I guess it's all about it's how like they you say would it. That I wonder, yeah, hmm? yeah. It's amazing how the same. It's amazing how the same expressions from different people. Like I was having to talk with somebody about how most of the words for um, to, that I can use to refer to myself as like a trans woman or as somebody who's not straight, um, most of the words available to refer to me for myself were either medical terms or slurs. And, uh-huh. um, I mean, think about them. How many, how, like the term queer, when mm-hmm. I was younger, that was, oh my God, if somebody called you a queer, that was, you were about to have a very bad day. Um, right. If somebody had decided they wanted to call you that. And, and like now, the kids are calling everything queer. And I'm like, all right, I'm with it. Like, I don't, I don't know. It still hits me a little different. But I got to tell you, queer sounds different coming out of their mouth than it does out of the mouth of somebody who's going to hurt you. Yeah, um, like, like so I, I it does matter who says it. I love that the word has been reclaimed, you know, by people mm-hmm. who call themselves that. 
but I, I'm I'm not one who's going to use that term unless somebody specifically tells me to call them that. You know what I mean? Like like I'm yeah, I'm, I, I'm very hesitant because mm-hmm. I me coming as a as a cis assumed heterosexual male. Um, technically pan, but, you know, people would just, just look at my dating history and assume otherwise. But um, the, uh-huh. they would say, they, they would, uh, you know, me saying that might seem threatening, so, and I kind of understand that, so I'm like, I'm not going to say the word. <laughs> but if someone else yeah, is like, no, that's, that's um... how I identify, I'd be like, okay, fine, I'll use it with you, but I'm not going to use it in general to describe folks. Yeah, and and there are a good amount of words like that. I I call those like yellow card words, um, uh, where it's like it's like you can use them. You're probably not going to get canceled for using them. You do need to be cautious about how you use them because right. they are only to be used in certain contexts. Um, you know, a, a good example of a term that is like that is the word transsexual, mm-hmm. um which is a term I actually do use for myself. I say that I am both transgender and transsexual. And um, that has always caused a little bit of a flurry because normally people would consider those two terms to be synonymous, just one of them is a bad word. Right. Um, But I I don't consider them synonymous. I think they are both important words to me. I just don't use them all the time because of that yellow card nature. Right. Um, You know, I don't even always say I'm trans depending on the context. So. Right. I think yeah, I, that's, I think context is um, something that we leave out a lot in these discussions, um, especially since the internet sort of makes us feel like there's one universal context right. that we sort of live in because, um, you know, it's really hard to differentiate. Like, it's really easy for people to notice that I speak a different way in one Facebook group versus another or mm-hmm. that I – use different language on Discord or that I speak differently when I'm talking to you over the phone than I would in, in uh, written, written language. But people notice those inconsistencies where we're just making a natural contextual shift and they view right. them as um, inauthenticities, I guess you would say. So there's this sort of um, pressure to be using your labels everywhere and always and all the time and just constantly have them on the tip of your tongue. And I don't agree with that. I, uh, I, I constantly shift around how I use my labels. And, you know, it's like um, uh, for some people, transness, like the idea of being trans is extremely important. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to them that they would actually place it perhaps higher than their gender in terms of like how they would like to be referred to. Um, in the same way that some people prefer the term like queer over their sexuality or gender. Um, mm-hmm. But in it, but I notice like, how do I want to say this? That I treat my transness very much in the same way that I treat my Italian heritage which is like, it's important to me. I do care about it, but I also, you know, don't have an Italian flag tattooed on me. Um, I don't bring it up at the beginning of every conversation. Like, oh yeah, I'm an Italian woman. You know, I just, whenever I get around to saying it, I do. And that's how I treat my transness. There's really no reason for me to like constantly be wearing on my sleeve. And, And I like the variety. 
it's nice to see how people treat me differently based on whether or not they know I'm trans. Right. And it, like, was has there like there've been examples of somebody like somebody making somebody saying I'm I, I'm really blanking on. I think there was one time where something happened and it was like it, that kind of sucks, but it's also affirming. Oh yeah, I was um I wrote a post recently about how trans women can have a really complicated relationship with misogyny. Uh um and, and we do, we do, and, and I won't I won't hide that. We often have a very complicated relationship with misogyny, especially early on. Because being treated as a transgender person is is scary. It's scary in ways I can hardly describe um, because it has the potential to get violent so fast, so quickly mm-hmm. in, any, in any circumstance. Like, you never know. You could be at a business meeting and somebody's going to follow you home. You never know what's going to happen just because somebody clocked you, right? Right. Misogyny is a little more um, – there's a little bit more like a social understanding of what's possible there, of what's common what to look out for, how to protect yourself. But um, you get to this place where, like, you're being treated differently based on how you arrived at your gender rather than your gender. And as insulting and degrading and humiliating and abusive as misogyny is, imagine having people abuse you on the premise that you're not even worth giving that kind of abuse to. Mm. Right? And that's the whole premise, right? That, that, that abuse that comes to you for being trans is done a lot on the premise that, like, you're being abused because you're not a woman in their eyes. And uh, they don't want to give you that. Whereas, so, like, when they give you misogyny, it can almost be affirming. And it gets really weird. Um, <laughs> It gets really weird. And, and like, so on the one hand, you're mad. You're mad because you're being mistreated. But on the other hand, you're being mistreated in a way that is understandable to you and your gender and, and your internal state. And that you, you don't enjoy it, but it gives you a sense of relief that you're not going to be treated as a trans person. Mm. And that sucks. Like, that doesn't feel good to have to navigate that, that sort of, like, dichotomy and that uh, contrast. But um, I, don't, I don't really notice that as much in myself now that most of the treatment I get is misogyny, uh, except online where I'm sort of, like, out and visibly apparent as trans. Like, when I go grocery shopping, I'm getting misogyny. When I'm talking to a vendor for work, it's misogyny. When I'm, you know, on the phone with people, it's misogyny. But um, online, I get a lot of the anti-trans attitudes. I get a lot of that abuse because, you know, I am a trans advocate. It's right there in my bio. I run networks of thousands and thousands of people and multiple media properties. I mean, CBS has a tag in my name, you know. Like, in that respect, I'm easy to look up and easy to verify as trans. And so I get that abuse a lot more. I was um, I was just talking to somebody about how sometimes I go to the grocery store just for the, the pleasure of like not being treated as a trans person. Mm-hmm. 
for a little while. And even though like the bad stuff happens to me at the grocery store, I get the misogyny. I get men following me around the store. I get, um, uncom- I, uh, I don't know why men think it's okay to like touch me when they're like, they, you know how wide aisles are in like a Kroger yeah. or a Walmart or whatever, or an oh, Aldi yeah. even, right? There's, there's no literal reason to put your hand on another human being to go around them and they're close. Wait, they're pulling the they're pulling the club time. trick in the in the grocery store. Yeah, like they put their hand on your waist or your shoulder uh, or your arm, and they like gross. go go around you. Yeah, uh-huh. it happens to you all the time. That's um, crazy. Or they just like stand there and hover, waiting for you to like not be looking at like pads. You know, right. um, that was the thing I wasn't prepared for. I wasn't prepared for needed like needing like feminine hygiene products. But now I have to buy those, so that's been a fun change in my life. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, thanks. But I, uh, it's been strange because I'll be standing in the aisle, like looking for pads or liners or something, and like there'll be this man just hovering two feet behind me, waiting for me to like pick my item and move on so he can talk to me. It's oh, very God. strange. That's very weird. It's very strange. Uh, and then, if you're listening to this, stop it. Yeah. Don't. Deminox, Brian in the, yeah. in the chat room. Just, is this, he goes, guys are gross. As a guy, I'm still saying this. <laughs> so. Um, I actually don't think guys are gross. I actually feel really bad for guys. Um, just I like mean, having, having like grown up in the situation that I was raised as one. Right. Um, obviously, like a lot of that training didn't like sink into me. Right. Clearly. Um, because it wasn't meant for me, and I knew it wasn't meant for me, and so I was able to, like, understand that even as a child. But, you know, I watched all these, like, young boys who were just so full of, like, creativity and life and imagination, and they were so friendly, and they were kind. They were so kind, and they were very sweet. And I just watched their parents and the world just grind that out of them Mm. in order to turn them into men um and it it starts young it starts when you're like eight but like i remember like when i was a little girl that when i hit like eight nine ten years old is when parents like stopped being okay with me coming to sleepovers Uh um they started to treat me as a potential threat to their kids to their daughters and like those were my friends you know they right. um, started teaching their daughters to be suspicious of me. They started being bold on my presence there. Um, and then you hit like 11, 12, 13, and of course puberty starts happening. And then people start treating you as a literal. They start talking about your body as though it's disgusting. Um, you get really isolated. And I didn't realize how isolated it gets until I had like hit a certain point in my transition where people stopped clocking these trans and I noticed how many people were like, okay now with hugging me. I hadn't realized how little physical contact I had been getting from other people until I started getting it again. Mm-hmm. And people started being okay hugging me. They started being okay being in my physical space. They started to not cross the street when I was walking my dog. Um, instead, they were using my dog as an excuse to come talk to me. There was 
I mean, Misha is a very pretty dog. <laughs> he's he's amazing, but my my whole point there is like, yeah. I my heart is just broken for men because I know how common that is because I watched it being done, and <clears throat> then of course like they are what the system of behavior trains them to be. They're power hungry. They are focused on being respected, on being authoritative in whatever environment they're in. They're focused on prestige and achievement because that's the only way they ever got praise and love. Mm. And in whatever, in, a, in whatever form that takes, I think that's why video gaming is such a common, like, masculine sort of endeavor because it's an easy way to get achievement and to feel a sense of achievement and bonding through achievement with other men who also have been starved for that. Yeah, I mean, that's hitting the nail pretty much right in the head there. I mean, can't argue with that yeah, at all. So I don't think men are gross. I think men have been put through essentially a radicalization process. And on a good day, the kind men, the nice men, the ones that have learned boundaries, they still bear the scars of that. Like, oh, yeah. I, because they, and you can see it in how they like overperform that kindness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or they're overly apologetic, or like, uh, what's what's his name in the comment? Was that a man in the comment? Uh, the bringing a boy, the comment, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Was that yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, is that your conservative friend? Yeah. Oh, hi there, conservative friend. I, I'm sorry, I still can't I, I can't hear hear your name enough to repeat it. But uh, oh, uh, his his username ahead. is bringing it boy, like bringing it b o i. Bringing it so boy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, the daily yeah, news. Yeah, like, I, I YouTube, do. But... Go ahead. I uh, I genuinely do feel for men, and um, I don't think had I trans had I not transitioned, I don't think I could have like felt that empathy, but. Mm-hmm now that I'm sort of out of it and I can see very clearly what was done to me or what was attempted to be done to me and the fact that that happened to every other man, like every other person who's put through that system, I, my heart is just broken because it's like they could have been so many different things, you know, and they try so hard to like distance themselves from manhood by saying things like men are trash um, or or like men suck or whatever. And I I wish they wouldn't. I wish that instead they would talk about what their parents did and what their girlfriend's parents did and what their teachers did and how that helped shape them so that we can stop doing it. Because, you know, I want to have a son and I don't want my son to go through that, you know? I, I don't want my well, son to I, feel like his only value in this world is achievement. Right. Yeah. Even even I think I was raised relatively well by my mom, and I mean my, I mean my dad had some input as well, but they were split, and she was the custodial parent. But you know, it, it's it's mm-hmm. I, I feel like like I had things ingrained into me as 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 a kid. Maybe I'm more you know epithetic than your 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 standard average dude, average guy, average male. Um, you know, perhaps, you know, I try to be at least. And even then I still had the same things where like, you know, I, I, when I was, when I was in high school, I I viewed myself as being, uh, less valid because I didn't have dating success. Didn't, didn't have any, 
any anybody who wanted me sexually, as, as, as far as I knew. Apparently, I was wrong about that, but I also was very uh, not observant. Yeah. Uh, the amount of people that I found out had crushes on me in high school after the fact, I was like, what? I had a crush on you. No. And I was like, okay, we were just both stupid because we didn't realize that we had crushes on each other. But still, like, it, it took a while to, like, kind of, you know, people talk about, you know, yeah. What you you know body counts or whatever, and you know the the you know have that yeah. that toxic idea of you know how many people you've been with, but like it was for a while it was like oh well I have this number so therefore I must be better somehow and I've, I've overcame that crap, but you know it's mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think part of the problem is like like with you know with me and and Demonox whatever say stuff like you know the men are gross men are crappy men are trash all that other crap is is that. It's not, it's not necessarily that, you know, we understand that this is how many men are raised and that's their environment creates that. Um, but we also understand, and we got another caller, look at that. Um, we also understand that uh, um, some of these people are just not trying at all to even improve themselves or better themselves or learn, unlearn what they have learned. Um, and I guess that, that's maybe more. I mean, more why th- would they? Have they ever been shown something else? Maybe not. I guess that's that's why that's what that's what we have to do as a society, and probably as as, as men, yeah. just you know, saying, like, hey, you know, I'm I'm in some new groups recently where it's just like you know, men complimenting other men or men, you know, being wholesome to each other or you know stuff like that. And I'm I like, love those groups. Those are some of my favorite. But yeah, it's really needed, and it, and then there's this really just <laughs> people allowing themselves to show their emotions to other people, which is something that you know. I, I remember being mocked and ridiculed because I was an emotional person. I, I mm-hmm. people saw me cry. Oh, you're crying, your baby. Uh, no, just you know, I, I, I feel. <laughs> I have these feelings, and that's how they're did coming we, out. Yeah. Did we have a caller? Did you say there's a caller? There is a caller. I don't know what area code this is from, but the caller does want to talk. So, hey, caller, what's what's your name? Where are you from? Hi, hi there, caller. How do you not know who this is, Dan? Oh my God, it's Devonox. <laughs> dude, dude. I don't remember I your phone. Hurt. I never call you. I never call you. I don't. Brian. I don't care. It should stay in your memory I don't, forever. I don't know you, friend. <laughs> okay. Um, I just want to say I, I think my level of humor was uh, a, and criticism was a little misunderstood. When I say guys are gross, I mean the idea of guyness. The the I don't necessarily. I don't believe gender is necessarily a solid concrete thing. I think it's kind of like a, it is just identity, but it is, is very important. But that aspect of guyness, menness, what we're trained to think is that leads to grossness and gross behavior. That, that's what I mean by guy is gross. Like what, what we're supposed to in quotations do, it's pretty gross sometimes. I, um, I, I, I will say that, like, I disagree on, on a couple marks there, that um, there is a masculinity that exists that I have sort of, like, witnessed in my life, either pre-transition or after, of, um, how, do I, how do I put this? I have never seen a more real and true manifestation of just, like, some kind of, like, universal element in, in masculinity and manness and guidance as I have ever seen with like 
a few guys around a campfire drinking beer and talking to each other when they're sad. Like that moment there is often very quiet and very understated, but that can often be a really revealing moment. And at the same time, those same guys are, I love when boys being boys means that they're going to like go get a dump truck and just like throw heavy rocks around and see how much it takes to break them because like that's fun for them. And like, I will never understand. I, I see these TikToks all the time. I was like, this one's for the guys. And somebody like throws a piece of rock off of a bridge and sees how long it takes to hit the water. And like, men love that crap. And I love that for them because it's harmless. It's interesting. It's fun. But like, I don't have the sense of like, whatever it is that men find amazing about those kinds of videos, like breaking ice or whatever. But like, go for it, boys. That's a, so like, there's a masculinity out there that is not awful, and I love seeing yeah, it. Yeah, I think there's different layers to it. I think, um, like, there's the, you know, there's the guy thing in quotations where we love the Three Stooges because, you know, it's just dumb slapstick comedy, and there's kind of a weird universal allow, and I think it's a privilege aspect where um, guys are allowed to be more immature and it's accepted. We are allowed to be goofballs until we're, you know, 60 years old and dead and it's socially acceptable. And I feel like everybody should be allowed to embrace that just in general, but there's this weirdness about it. Um, But I also have this thing, like, so then there's the concept of what is manliness and, and I'm on a Nintendo, uh, you know, Facebook group. And there was this person who made a, a post about how, you know, hey, this Elden Ring came out, but now here comes Kirby and all the real men are going to play it. And the joke is like, you know, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to be a tough guy to, to be a guy. Um, but there were people who were seriously like, what are you talking about? It's a kid's game. And like, they're, you know, the puffing the chest you know, verbally saying like, that's yeah, the man, yeah. that thing. It's like, that's the aspect of the culture that's just bad. And I think that true quote manliness unquote is how I see just growing up in general for all aspects, which is growing up means knowing that it's okay to be immature when appropriate. And it's just a matter of adulting when you need to adult. And I think adulting is the perfect word because it's a playful way of saying, yeah, I have to pretend to be a grown-up right now. And uh, I think the privilege of being a guy is just, it's the benefit. I get to be a goofball in public, and people are like, oh, he's so boyish and young. Um, I consider myself a guy only because I've been told I'm a guy from growing up, but, like, I grew up with G.I. Joes and My Little Pony. So, I mean, if you were to judge based on toys we played with as kids, what does that mean? But... Um, you know, I don't yeah. feel strongly I, I one way don't or another. Judge based on that. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's yeah. Just, I, I think on some levels we all have a level of fluidity to us. We just lean more one way or another. I mean, there's no such thing as pure black and white in anything. But yeah, you know, I've usually, I've usually, I've usually said that like, like you know, the, the, like the, spl- the, the splatter graphs or whatever, where yeah. like you know, like we're we're ma- male and fe- man and woman, male and female, whatever is kind of like averages but like people fall all around the averages and like sometimes people fall like right in between and sometimes people fall way outside the averages and it's just uh-huh. we've just used those two words to to be the average but there are plenty of people that are not in those averages at all who feel more comfortable with other 
other labels or don't even have a label that they might want to use, but where, um, so whatever. If I, if I might, um, Dan, are you into, are you into like poli sci at all? Yeah. Um, are you familiar with the concept of an Overton window? I have heard that I, I'm blanking as to what it means, but I, I have heard it. Before. I remember the, uh, Glenn Overton wrote a window book on is it. like a <laughs> the Overton window is a political science theory in which um, the extremes define the center. Is basically sort of the oh, idea okay. there. So the idea of like what is extremism will, um, if you want to, if you, it's basically uh, a way to kind of weaponize an Overton window is to demand a far more extreme position than what you actually want so that mm-hmm. you can go back to the center of that and appear to be quite reasonable. Um, and, but you can do that for politics. And so I've in the United States, for instance, the Overton window. <laughs> I've called that. Well, I've often uh, said, the, like, you know, you should push for this so that you can, you can go back to this. Yeah. Don't push for what yeah. you want. Push and, for more than what you want so you get what you want. Right. I think the Overton window is one of the few ways that we can sort of, like, create a parameter around gender but i i don't think gender is like we lean one way or the other um i think gender is about who we connect to Mm -hmm. and what they teach us like i i tell people like there's no such thing as a woman um that concept in isolation does not exist that Mm -hmm. idea of womanhood is not some universal concept. There's no template from which I deviate. There's no default woman. There's no default man. Every, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, my womanhood is like my mom, my Nona, my grandma, uh, Poison Ivy from Batman when I was growing up, the Pink Ranger, um, Miss Honey from Matilda. Right, like I, um, the Lady Amalthea from the movie um, The Last Unicorn, right? I was taking in information from all over the place, and now as an adult, I can sort of see how that influenced me. But at the time, I couldn't have. But I also learned from men how to be a woman. You know, I also picked up information from them. I also picked up information from schools and my friends and my friends' parents about what that meant. And so I am an amalgamation of every woman I have ever thought was cool with my own little spin on it. Like, I don't know a single woman who's nearly as into hot sauce as I am, but I love (laughs) hot sauce. So, you know, like that's part of my spin on it. And so my womanhood is a completely unique mixture of elements, a remix, if you will, of my history, my genetics, my life, and all of the circumstances I was raised in. So, um, there, you know, and it's kind of a, uh, a set, what is it like a seven degrees of separation sort of thing where right. even there are women out there. I have almost nothing in common with, except that if you trace us to each other through sort of like the cloud or the network of womanhood, we are connected to that. But what the edges and the parameters of that cloud are always changing and, the core sort of defines what our template is, but like a default woman today in the United States would be very different than 20, 30, 40 years ago. And I think it's dangerous. Oh, sorry. 
Oh, go ahead. There was a delay. Mm-hmm. I think a dangerous thing is that we keep seeing with uh, social media and even the connectivity of the world is it's a double-edged sword. There's this amazing thing where we can reach out and explore the cultures and find other people, but there's also this thing where it almost seems like there is a, a push, a cultural push to solidify, to unify, to make things all this one definition. And I feel like that's why there's um, all these mm-hmm. anti-abortion things popping up all over the world. The, the anti-trans stuff is like getting pushed hard everywhere, but also the, the idea of what masculinity is, is being pushed as this one singular image almost globally from all directions. I've, I mean, I've only been alive 40 years, but I don't think I'd, I'd ever conceive of seeing anything like that before, where it's just this hyper-focus unilaterally kind of, uh, it's hard to explain. And it's interesting because we have the same tool to push back and say you. no individual. But it's like, you know, it's kind of happening all at once, all over. the, And it's just, it's so weird that, that negative messages seem to, get spread faster and easier than positive reinforcement. And it's like this weird, and maybe it's the algorithm. Maybe it's how we're clicking into mm-hmm. things, uh, helping shape it. But I think it's, it's kind of dangerous and weird. I, uh, I actually agree with you. And um, there's a, an anti-colonialist educator that I work with, fantastic person, uh, name of Sid. And, and, uh, Sid was giving me a talking to about uh, an acronym that is uh, kind of controversial in a lot of more inclusive spaces. And I'm not going to repeat it because I don't feel like getting into the uh, controversy about it. But um, it's, just, it's just not my place to have the discussion on it. It's a, a, an acronym related to, like, um, relationships of race. And what Sid was explaining to me was, like, this acronym relates to a concept of blackness that doesn't exist outside of the Western world and mostly doesn't exist outside of the United States. Like the fact yeah. that people from my home country are being held accountable to an acronym for a concept of race that they don't have is wild to him. And he actually, or they actually uh, refer to that as a neo-colonialism, a form of like digital Pax Romana, if you will, where everything is me. being sort of made Mm-hmm. Oh, so I was saying, it reminds me of television. There was a concept of uh, we was poor, but we didn't know we was poor until TV showed and TV tried to present this idea of what a lower class family was. Like I grew up watching Married with Children and I love the crude humor, but um, it, you know, it wouldn't fly today, but I appreciate it for its time. But the Bundys uh-huh. lived in what would be considered now, like, holy shit, they must have been, ro- sorry about the swearing, they must have been rolling, though, comparatively. Like, the, what was presented as poor, people who were actually poor would see it and go, oh, my God, no, you're filthy rich. But, like, um, TV would spread the idea, and that there was also this concept about the, the, DX, the American TV accent, which was then presenting the idea of accentless across the nation, but now we're getting that with concept ideas and uh, and everything just across the globe, and it's like this weird mirror yeah. of of an effect. And so. um, I I think a large part of this, and this is my personal theory, I haven't heard this from everybody or anybody really, um, but I I think that um, 
Nietzsche has partially informed my view on this, not Nietzsche's actual work, but the way he wrote. Um, yeah. Later in life, he was not able to continue writing in the way he normally did. He had to get a typewriter, and the typewriter influenced his words. Um, they became more mechanical. He wrote about it that the typewriter was influencing the way he thought. And I think yeah. that's a valuable thing to remember is that our tools influence our thinking as much as our thinking influences the creation of our tools. Um, we as humans have always had tools, and we've always created them, and then in turn, they create us. So um, when I look at sort of what digital environments teach us, I see a rush to claim words like keywords because you have to be Googleable. You have to be able to look up that word. It doesn't exist unless Google says it does, you know. Um, yeah. There has to be a sort of homogeny around an acronym or around a word, and so you have to universalize it if it is to be true. And I think – um, we in our generations, because I'm I'm about six years younger than you, and if you said you were forty, yep. Um, so I'm about six years younger than you, and in our generation, we were not given tools to think about or deal with it, and um, like we weren't taught the liberal arts in general. We weren't taught. We were there was a real emphasis on like STEM, but in particular on getting us just enough information to be, like, good in manufacturing. Um, unless you Yeah, they started really cutting out critical thinking. Right, and we need that skill to navigate this because um, you said the, something about, like, why negativity moves faster, but that's always been the case, right? Um, yeah. How long has the newspaper expression been around that if it bleeds, it leads, you know? Yeah, right. Shock and um, yep. Right. Um, well, and we, we look at things that we're afraid of because that kind of those are the threats, right? Another thing I, was, uh, I wanted to speak about was um, now you say you don't necessarily like the word uh, phobic, and I totally get exactly what you're saying on that. Um, as kind of a neurodivergent, well, I am a neurodivergent person, I, I look at it from a more okay, objective, analytical way. And I always see it as, ah, it's the same as xenophobia, fear of the unknown. It's the same as calling somebody stupid versus calling somebody ignorant. Stupid, I won't say stupid, because stupid means they can't, ne- they can't learn, and you don't know that. But ignorant doesn't mean stupid. Yeah. It just means they're, they're lacking that gap. And I think of any phobia as the same thing. They're lacking the knowledge, the exposure, and all that. But I, I do think there's also there's still a level of accountability where nobody ever taught me to be a big, good person. Um, I, I was bullied. I mean, a lot of people were bullied. But I mean, I was, like, sent to the hospital with, like, injuries, wounds, and all that stuff. Uh, I still have PTSD. I'm nervous around people for it. And that, that experience made me realize this is wrong. I don't want to be treated like this, and I wouldn't treat others like this. I had one friend growing mm-hmm. up. He was also bullied as bad as me, and he is a diehard conservative, all in favor of deportations and all that stuff. I'm like, how are you so full of hate knowing what we've gone through? And he's had – a very Mm -hmm. similar experience. I can't say his experience is the same as mine, but like from that aspect, he should know the pain he wants to inflict on people. On the other hand, one of my bullies, one of my worst bullies, uh, the guy was like a monster to me. He, he's like one of my friends, like good friends on Facebook. Now he feels terrible about everything he's ever done. He's got a son now. And he's like, man, I just like think about what I did. 
and I want him never to do that to anyone. So it's like personal level, kudos to anybody who takes it upon themselves to try to educate others on it. Cause that's, I think of the idea of like when a, when a black person says it's not my job to educate you on how to be a good person. But on the other hand, we do need people to sometimes tell us, Hey, not cool, man. Cause nobody told us I hey, am not cool, man. So I, I have found that in general when I'm dealing with I, – I, I deal with people who I would say have a problem with ignorance in their life. Um, yeah. You know, that they, that they don't have the information to be expressing the views that they're expressing about trans people or any subject often. Um, but they do have that sort of confidence and bluster about them. And sometimes that bluster, you have to, you have to be able to sort out who's doing that just to get under your skin. Um, but when I talk to people who are radicalized, who are hateful in their behavior and, and not just hateful, but planned hateful, violent hateful, um, not reactive hateful, but they are trying to find my home address kind of hateful, right? Malicious that, that takes planning. That takes thinking. That is not, yeah, that is not the kind of hateful that follows me into the bathroom to make sure I'm not going to be a threat, right? That is a very different yeah. kind of hateful. Those people are incredibly well-informed. Their problem has nothing to do with information. Um, yeah. When we look at other people who are susceptible to propaganda, when I see who is susceptible, and Dan, you mentioned somebody earlier, he said, otherwise this person is a very intelligent person, but keeps doing this thing. And right. those are the people who are very susceptible to propaganda um, because they have the sort of internalized belief of their own knowledge and superiority can be tricked. They don't believe they can be misled. And they have a simple heuristic for determining what they do or don't believe. It's usually like, oh, I look at the data, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um but, like, that's usually, the, oh, I, I, I can go to the source that I respect, and I'm going to say what they say, um, hence going to a doctor or a hospital, right? But, like, TERFs are often incredibly well-informed. Um, yeah. Their problem is not that they lack information. Their problem is that they have unhealed trauma, almost always. Um, and in the case that they don't have unhealed trauma, a lot of times what I find out is that they're actually trans. And um, they are trying so hard to crush that in the world because when they see a trans person, it triggers those feelings in them and it makes them uncomfortable. That's not ignorant. It just makes me think of the my favorite Jean-Paul Sartre uh, quote, which I've got up on a, on a portrait on my wall, is uh, freedom is what you do with what was done to you. And it's just, mm. that's like the perfection of it. It's you can choose how to be yeah. about it and hopefully you'll choose right. And if not, hopefully somebody will help you choose right. But still, that is but that is the ultimate freedom. I am. Um, I, I I don't I don't think this has ever been brought up on the show before. But I'm, <laughs> I'm Buddhist. Um, and I, I take my Buddhism quite seriously, actually. And in Buddhism, we have this concept of samsara, which is the uh, the wheel of suffering, as it were, the uh, endless cycle of rebirth, and. Um, how do I want to put this? I see that I see similar wheels placed in society when I think about marginalization and abusive behaviors and ignorance and bigotry. Um, 
I definitely was at one point early in my transition one of those people like, it's not my job to teach you. And what I realized is, um, like with men, like the way I feel about men now, I've realized that I, as a trans woman, can never be free unless I help to unshackle men from what is done to them, unless I help them be better. And likewise, because, like, I'm, I'm suffering the consequence of them making women afraid of them. Right. And right. they don't know why they're doing that categorically. I can help them get out of that because I do know. I know what was done to them intimately because it was done to me, you know? And so I can see that I'm holding the keys to my oppressor's shackles more or less. And likewise, women can accept me or not accept me. Cis women can accept me or not accept me. And they're holding the shackles to mine or they're holding the key to mine. And men are holding the key to theirs. And we're all in this cycle together. And unless we unshackle the people we fear, we'll never get out of it. So I find myself talking to men a lot or trying to because it's like, I want to show you what was done to you so that you can make a better choice with that information. Because right now you're just acting on it. You're just doing the script. And I want to show you the script. And then you have freedom because you can see it. I'll say that's, that is pretty awesome. Um, I would say that having had to try to educate people on types of mental illness and stuff, but I mean, I was diagnosed with OCD when I was like, you know, two inches tall almost. Uh, back in the yeah, 80s, yeah. it was very uncommon. Um, but it was very, but it's like, yeah. there there was a point and the source of the, a lot of the trauma that happened was when I decided I was going to try to educate my student, uh, cohort, not cohort, uh, co-students, uh, cohort classmates. Classmate. Sorry, long day. And, you know, fifth grade, I'm thinking, I you know, you. I, I'm smart enough. They, you know, they're going to know it. They'll accept me. If I'll just tell them why I was really in the hospital for like five weeks, they'll, they'll be so mm-hmm. relieved. But instead that was like, the, it turned into the unknown and the, 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 just the parents forbidding them to spend any time with me. Uh, I was going to be part of a mentor project where you mentor a person when I was in high school. I'm like, no, no, no. If he's the mentor, our kid isn't part of the program because, you know, he's a crazy person. And that hurt. And it's a lot better now because OCD is more well-known. But I would just say Mm -hmm. as good as it is that you're doing what you're doing, as long as you put your own health and safety, like, up there too, Um, like, don't, don't let yourself get burned out on it. Like, I, I hope you take breaks when um, you need a break, you know. Dan can probably affirm that I maybe don't take as many breaks as I should. Um, Potentially, I, yeah, but I you, work, do have, you do have some good partners who who help you along the way, I, have I would really say. I really good partners who take care of me. I have a good support network. Um, I will say that, like, I grew up in an abusive environment where um, I had to be, like, hyper-vigilant and hyper-aware and aware of other people's emotions and monitoring them for the slightest changes. Excuse me for one second. Sorry, I had to cough. Um, And so I grew up up in that environment where I um, had to exercise a lot of self-restraint and so people always ask me, they're like, how do you, how are you so patient with people? I'm like, well, 
nobody here compares to, to my abuser, you know. Um, there's not a there's not a tariff on this planet who's as bad as, as she was. And um so it's kind of easy for me, like this is a lesser version of that. But I've watched people try to like take what I do and, and make it their own. And um it hasn't always gone well for them. It's largely ends up being very unhealthy. So I I definitely don't recommend doing it the exact way I do. I think everybody has to come to their own balance. But I think the way I have conversations is something that people can learn from. I um I think above all, it's seeing past my own assumptions and perceptions about other people's behavior that's really important to me. And I think anybody can learn that skill. You don't have to constantly be doing it like I do, but you can learn to question your own interpretation of other people's behavior. Seeing it from a different point of view. Um, and I, I think every, anybody who's a different point of view, it's, you know what I mean? Right. Like you, it's like I was saying with transphobia. If I stop at transphobia, I'm blind. The actual source of the problem. Because that mm-hmm. person is just transphobic. I'm just going to write them off. But when I actually stop to talk to them, that person's got deep trauma and pain. And um, if you've ever been talking to somebody who's just like frustratingly bigoted, ask them sometime what they wanted to be when they were a kid the answers to that are humbling and and not just for you. Like if you ask them, like, what did they want to be when they were a child? Like when you were a five-year-old or a 10-year-old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Not a single time are they ever going to say, wow, I really wanted to be a hateful person on the internet. Right. Like something went wrong, something went wrong in their life. And a lot of times connecting them back with their childhood can show them where, um, or at least show them that it happened. And it's a really humbling question because then you find out that they're just like you. You know, I'm I'm still chasing after the dreams that I had when I was a little girl. Like, I want to be a mom. I want to write books, you know. Um, but they, none of them are like, wow, what I really want to do is grow up and be a bigoted and traumatized person. Nobody wants that. And, right. um, it's just, it's a very real, it makes them human. They're not just a transphobe or a bigot or a racist or ignorant. That's a human being who had a childhood. And, like, just by asking them the question, you have to recognize that they're a human. And so I ask that question for my benefit, to reconnect me with that person's humanity, not just to help them see it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to add Sometimes. there. Some people make it hard. <laughs> yeah. Like some people make it hard. Um. It, but like, it's a simple heuristic. Like, it's really hard to remember that you're talking to a person online because really you're just seeing like notifications and um, you've got like an audience in the in the way, right? Like you're getting heart reacts for like dunking on on ignorant people. Um, right. It's all very team sport. And. I, I just I'm not here for the team sports. Like we're all in this wheel together, and I just want out of it. I just want to help people. You know. I think Excuse there's me. that definitely that element of human conversation, and that's why. And I forget the mm-hmm. guy's name, but there's the the black guy who went around and he talks to the the clan members, and and one at a time he can get them out of it, but like. You can only you can only do so many at a time. There's there's still this massive system that's in place, 
Mm-hmm. And um, as much as I have this this idea that you know, gender is essentially a construct of 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 all the little pieces of ourselves and how we see ourselves. Whenever somebody says to me, oh, well, so you're saying gender isn't real, so why does it matter? I say, no, that's why it, identity matters even more is because it was a lot of things about gender and roles were put in there to oppress people, to separate, to do that stuff. Same with race. Um, heritage is one thing, but the idea of race itself is separating people, breaking them up to oppress. So racial identity, gender identity, any form of identity, they're, they're all the more important because it's like taking those tools away, claiming it or reclaiming it, saying mine and this is who I am and also this doesn't define me is just I can't wait for it to be done on a massive scale until we finally just don't even need to define things the same way. Not in the same terms of like um, I hate when people say all lives matter because they're missing the point but I can't wait to the point where nobody has to say trans anymore. Not because it wouldn't be a thing so much as just it, it would be unnecessary because it doesn't, it just wouldn't matter. Like just, it's just carte blanche accepted. I, you know, um, I have, so I'm, I, I have a lot of thoughts on like neuro, um, neurology and um, psychiatry involved in our biology and yeah. I, I think that people misunderstand gender as a quote-unquote social construct because the idea of self is a social construct. Like, there's no you that is an objective yeah. reality. If you had not been raised around people, you would not have that concept. You would not have an awareness of yourself as an I that can feel things. You mm-hmm. would just be intuition without a story. Um, the ego is a story. The idea of yourself is a story. But, like, we do root that in our biology as we get older because of neuroplasticity. So, like, um, gender, if we eliminated gender today, if we just got rid of it somehow, like, you waved a magic wand and said, no more gender. Um, Everybody is just a person. Gender would, or something quite like it, would reform again in a heartbeat. It would take no time at all. Because when we first develop the concept of self, we at first cannot recognize that other people are like us. We can't recognize other people. There's just me and then there's the world, right? And that's why young children are often uh, can come across as incredibly selfish um, because they really don't recognize other people as people. And then you get gender and then you start connecting with people through gender. And that's one of the ways we bond. It's an essential language and tool we've developed as a fragment of identity and it should be respected um i don't think we need all of the like government systems of sorting out sex and gender the way we do i don't think we need to that's essentially what i meant (laughs) but um but like gender itself is a very real thing and should be respected and um i i actually don't even have a problem with like the idea of like an educated best guess when a child is born, you know, like 90% chance kiddo's going to grow up to be a girl, but here's what you need to know um, otherwise, right? So that you can appropriately respond if that's not true. Um, I think that's fine. I think I think of gender a lot like right and left-handedness, that it's a thing we can recognize in each other. 
like gender modality. So like I, I'm not afraid of a world where people are still seen as trans in the same way that I'm not afraid of a world where people are seen as left-handed. Like, yeah. There will be a certain fragment of society that will be trans and that will be okay. And nobody's going to think about that as bad. And, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. And that's no, that definitely makes sense. All right, so so uh, let's see, we got about twelve minutes left. So, um, what's the second thing I wanted to bring up? I don't know. I have to see if I can remember it. Um, all right, so quick question for both of y'all: GIF or GIF? Oh, uh, absolutely GIF, and it doesn't matter what the intended creator said because that's not how language works. We have adopted it as GIF, and the, everyone says GIF. You can't just say that's mine now. I made it. It's only mine. Nobody else can have it. It's in the world. But also, if there's a bunch of people who want to say GIF, they can have GIF. They're not wrong either. I say GIF. Because it belongs to everyone. Here's what I will say. I'm a Buddhist, which is um, considered an atheistic religion. We really don't have a concept of an undying and permanent God uh, of any kind. Mm. But if the literal Christian God appeared in front of me from on high. The clouds parted. There's God. God comes down um, and is like, it's pronounced Jif. I would be like, all right, then, Jod. I'll oh. keep yeah. that in mind. <laughs> Perfect. You know, like, I, I am absolutely not. It is. It is. Okay, Jod is allowed to be wrong. Here's my thing. Jod belongs Jod to be everyone. Wrong. When I yeah. when I was when I remember I was I was having um, a meal around my grandparents' table and my uncle uh, asked both me and my dad and we're all software developers. Um, so, what is it, GIF or GIF? And me and my dad at the exact same time go, choose your computer users, choose GIF, and then just looked at each other and just cracked up laughing because we said the same words at the same time. Um, my argument has typically been. I don't care how what you say it, what the context in which you say GIF or GIF is going to let me know uh, what you're talking about. I'm not going to be confused about it. But if you don't pronounce SIM card, SIM card, then how can you demand that it be GIF? Because I stands for identity. And so if you have to pronounce G as the hard G, then you have to pronounce I as the, you know, as in I as well. But whatever. The reason I brought that up is the guy who, who created the GIF died. So he, got, he died of COVID today, apparently. So... Um, oh, I did not know that. I think I think it was during. Well, the thanks podcast. for ending it on a down note. <laughs> so, but, you yeah, know. good job, Dan. Yeah. Uh, okay. How about foe and fa? I think it's uh, what foe or fa. Foe or fa. It's foe. It's absolutely foe. Absolutely foe. Absolutely one hundred percent foe. I saw a YouTube video of these linguist experts explaining why it's technically pho. And the first thing they went into is how in Vietnam there was no word for it whatsoever. And then there was this French word that was like loosely similar to some other word. Wait, they wait, used wait, it wait, 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 wait. I thought you were talking about the French. I thought you were talking about the French one. I thought you were talking about the French like prefix, like F-A-U-X. No. Like, no, no. Are you no, no, about, like the soup. Oh, no, 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 no. The soup, the soup, that's pho. That's but here's the thing. The word never existed. And so even in Vietnam, they use it interchangeably. There is no correct fo or fa. It's regional. Uh, I, and that is it. I will tell you why but, it's fa. 
Why? Because I will tell you why it's fun, and I will die on this hill 100% of the uh-huh. time. I saw a restaurant once. It was, it was fucking. I'm, I'm going to say it your way. I'm, yeah, it's, it's like fucking. Yeah. But yeah. no, if you say it the right way, it's fucking. And That's that, what I was okay, that say. beats and mine I because always, I saw IFO, and if you say IFO, it doesn't make sense. No, but, that, that, yeah, that, that, no, King is definitely better. The way, you should, the way you should pronounce pho or pho depends on what the restaurant's trying to say. We have a mofo yeah. down here, so for mofo, it should be pho. We, we, we also did have a pho king, and it, that clearly should be pho at that point. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just uh, yeah, uh, because of this video of these linguist experts, and, and they started off saying that there was no real word, and then they proceeded to explain why their interpretation was the <laughs> only way to say it. And it's like, no, dude, no. I know I Vietnamese people who say it both. <laughs> yeah. Well, like people who ask me, me what's, the correct way to spell, what's the correct way to spell Hanukkah? And I'm like, well, you use the Hebrew letters, and that would be the correct way to spell Hanukkah. Otherwise, you're just pretending with English, words, English letters, and it doesn't matter. There's That's no like correct the way to write it. The what? It's sort of like, like these. Um, ju- Sorry, here you go. Oh no, I was just thinking uh, the context matters very much. It's sort of like when yeah. something occurs first. Um, you know, I was just thinking about. Um, I, am I allowed to curse on your show, Dan? This, it's a, it's a, it's a few is fine. Yeah, so go ahead. We're late, so okay. we're good. I, so I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. Yeah, I don't want you to get like a. I don't want you to get like a a, a bill. From the FBI no, there won't, there won't be any, there won't be anything um, on the account. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So it's like the word. Um. It's like the word fuck. Right. Like here's the thing. Did you you can literally print that word on the cover of anything at all, and all you have to do is replace one letter with an asterisk. Yep. And everyone will know what you mean. When you do that, ex- yeah. Except when you do that, the word means fuck. Like more than fuck means fuck, you know. Like it takes on a new, but like, yeah. But like, you can't like um, you can't do that with like. Uh, I have a question. Uh huh. Are yeah. you saying that fuck is a word? Because I'm from Massachusetts, and to us, it's just punctuation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where where I grew up, we have a lot of strange words. So we have a we have a word in Appalachia called queer. Um, and it's one of my favorites. It's like queer. We have queer. We have an awareness of queer. Um, but we also have the word queer, which is like a more severe version of queer. And I really, um, I intend to get famous enough to make this happen in the LGBTQ community that there will be both queer and queer people. Um, because I really, I just need this word. I I don't want this word to go to uh, bigoted people. I want them to see like just rainbow flag wearing balls of chaos using this word. Um, you so need to introduce Hannah Gadsby to it, and she will get it out there. I love Hannah Gadsby. Uh, I love her thing on y'all. Thanks, so. <laughs> How? See, my, thing, my thing with my thing with y'all uh, was I came down from I didn't y'all have any y'all. accent of any sort whatsoever being raised in Baltimore. I didn't get the Balmer accent or anything. I I say Baltimore and you know, I don't I don't no one could people would ask me where I was from when I was doing Uber driving because I just don't sound like I'm from anywhere. Only one person accurately said I would say mid Atlantic and I was like, That's pretty darn good. 
um, except for that we had this one guy on our freshman dorm whose girlfriend would walk around all the time going, y'all, 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 y'all. And then, so Uh we would all do it, and then we all picked it up. So now that's why I say y'all, is because I was making fun of this poor girl. It was sweet as could be. And, like... I know we've got to end, so I know we have to end soon. I want to give you all an Appalachian word. Okay. Um, that you can that you can bring into your life, and um, that it will make you feel happy, and it will make others feel happy. The word is um, Jeep. 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 Okay. Jeep. Uh, use it as a greeting when somebody comes to your house. Jeep. Oh, jeep! Like, um, did you eat? Yeah, exactly. Jeep. Nice. It's okay. one word, though. Yeah, it's an yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a very jeep. popular like Appalachian expression. We also have used to could, and that's just a fun one. I've heard of used to could before. There's yeah, always all y'all, all y'all. I used to all, do all that. y'all's. Down here, we got all y'all's. Mm. Um, the only people who are objectively wrong are the people who um, say yin. <laughs> I just pissed off all of Western Pennsylvania, and I'm so sorry. Did um, <laughs> you say yin? Don't 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 at me. Yin. Yin like Y I N. Y I N Z like yins. Yins, okay. There's also yins. There's yins and yins, um, but like Western Pennsylvania, um, I, I hear all the yins. How yins doing? It's their version of y'all. I don't know how that like huh. things got messed up there. Um, but okay, like, I don't yeah. believe we're God or Satan, but that's some devil horseshit right there. <laughs> Be very, so, very careful, because that's like all of it's. It's like just Pennsylvania that does that, like just Western weird. Pennsylvania. I'm um, okay with getting rid of like Pennsylvania. Well, before I let Evie tell everybody how to find Evie online. Uh, which is pretty easy because it's evwinners.com and then everything else. But I do have one other announcement is that during this show, I did get the confirmation that coming back on the show next week will be Hal Sparks. So comedian Hal Sparks will be back on the show again for another fun show. So everybody tune in next week Mm -hmm. and we'll have a good show. So Evie, how does everybody find out where you are? Online. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. One, if you um, and you can see how my name is spelled, it's E B E Y Winters with an S at the end. You type that in any search engine, you're going to find me. But my uh, domain name is evwinters.com. You can type me in almost any social media website you can think of. I am literally the only me. So uh, as far as I know, nobody else has this name yet. Although I did hear somebody was naming their kid after me, and boy, is that an honor. Um, that's a very high, that's very high brain. They're like, we're going to name her Evie. And I was like, that's incredible. Um, but yeah, you type in Evie Winters, you're going to find me. Um, and once you find me in one place, it's kind of hard not to figure out where else to find me. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, both of y'all. Thank you for calling in. Dem and I, we got to, got to call it. it, it, This is a hard break. So thank y'all. Thank you, Evie, again for coming on the show. So appreciate you. We will have you back on much sooner. Thank you, Devonox, for calling in as well. We need to do Voltron at some point as well. Again, this is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Tune in next week where, again, we will have Hal Sparks coming back onto the show. Could be another two weeks in a row. Two great shows, one right after the other. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, that's right.